And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. This is the Athletic Football Show's Draft Night Special. With the first pick, the Jacksonville Jaguars select. Featuring Robert Mays and Nate Tice, the Athletics Draft Guru, Dane Brugler, and the one and only Lindsey Jones, Senior NFL Writer for The Athletic. It's now my honor to announce that the NFL Draft is officially open. Welcome to the Athletic Football Show Draft Night Special. I'm Robert Mays, and I'm very excited to be welcomed in person by my good friend, Nate Tyson. How are you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. We just sat down, right? We, we just <laughs> sat down. It has been a wild evening already. I mean, there's so much to get to. You know, we had a plan. We had a bunch of things we were going to talk about. A lot of that has already gone out yeah. the window. So yeah. right now, we are sitting here watching... The Eagles trade up to number 10 with the Cowboys, a rare interdivisional trade. I'm sure we will talk about that. I want to start, though, with a move that shocked both of us, and that is the Broncos drafting Patrick Sertan II at number nine. Not because we don't think Patrick Sertan Jr. is worthy of the ninth overall pick. I think he's a really, really good corner. I just wouldn't ascribe corner as the first need for the Denver Broncos. I mean, you look at their depth chart, it might be the last thing they need. They signed Ronald Darby in free agency. They went out and got Kyle Fuller. They already have Bryce Callahan there. It's They're going to run a four cornerback defense, I guess, is what's happening. And when you think about the quarterbacks that were on the board, it's easily, in my opinion, the most surprising thing that happened today. And Mac Jones didn't go to the Niners, <laughs> which was, it was like, okay, that, that one made sense finally. But then this one, yeah, this one's really curious. It's like you said, really likes her tan. Like I, I actually probably my favorite corner. Thank you. Uh, really like Sertan, probably my favorite quarter. Thank you, Kent. Um, but no, it's I I do think it's like, are they picking for the Packers? Is that what they're doing here? Because it's like it's it's a hat on a hat kind of a thing. Yeah. It's like, and don't get me wrong, it's corner is a premium position, and that's kind of yeah, I'm fine with investing in the premium positions, O line, corner, edge rushers, or just pass rushers in general, and of course quarterback, but it's like you only have one quarterback, and it's kind of like that's what I think the Broncos need to improve. Well, our, obviously we saw the Teddy Bridge, the Teddy Bridgewater deal. Yep. They traded a six round pick for him. It makes sense. You know, that's something we saw a mile away. Yep. We talked about that on multiple shows last week. I think it's the type of option with the defensive minded head coach that makes sense. You want somebody that's going to keep the train on the tracks. It reminds me a little bit of what the bears did last year yep. with Foles and Trubisky. I don't think plan copying the Chicago Bears <laughs> yeah, quarterback say. plan is exactly what you want to do. But it's funny. I was talking to Lindsey Jones earlier, who's going to be joining us soon as is Dane Brugler or as the draft goes on. So please keep an eye out for both of them. I was talking to Lindsey and it's almost as if the Broncos have a similar quarterback plan to the one the Bears have. And every five years, they stumble into one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, ass backwards. And that seems like where we're doing where we are right now, because before the draft started today, obviously, Everyone has been talking about Aaron Rodgers yes. and what might be happening. So if there, if it's true, which it does seem like it is, that the Broncos are putting together a deal for Aaron Rodgers or an offer at least, maybe that threw a wrench into them possibly drafting a quarterback in the top 10, which changes the entire complexion of the rest of the draft. Uh, the draft, the entire NFL. It's like 
that is that's why it's just so curious. But the thing, because I just gotta keep saying is just Broncos didn't need help there. <laughs> that's, yes. why, that's why it's just like what? Um, and right now, as we see, is Devontae Smith is going to the Eagles, which is like I, I love Devontae Smith. He's probably my favorite receiver in this draft, even though there's a bunch of bunch of good ones that I've already got, and there's more to come. But it's these kind of like that is like just so interesting to me too is not only taking Sertan there, but then also just screwing over the Cowboys the pick before. Yes, yes. <laughs> and it's like everyone and everyone, made, it made sense. Okay, the Cowboys are going to get a corner, one of those top two guys, Horner, Sertan, and it's just going to fall into their lap. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm sure that was not a lot of fun for them to all of a sudden just that goes away. So that's like just the domino effects that other teams can have can affect your team. Absolutely. Even if you have nothing to do with it. Also, the Cowboys are like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, Broncos aren't going corner. I'm sure their pro staff, when they were doing needs, they're like, we don't have to worry about that. And then all of a sudden, they take a corner. It's shocking. I mean, yep. I think if you would play this out a hundred times yep. in the Cowboys' minds, those two corners going off at seven and eight or eight and nine would never have happened. Correct. So that's why you are left scrambling a little bit. Yep. So talk about Horn to Carolina a little bit. Not surprising in that they needed a corner, but He's a man-heavy corner. They played a lot of zone last year. Mm-hmm. You'd have to assume they would probably for- fold a little bit more press coverage into what they do moving forward if they have a guy like that. Mm-hmm. It almost reminds me a little bit of William Jackson going to Washington, where when you get more talent at corner, it allows you to do a few different yep. things. But obviously, this means the Panthers did not draft a quarterback. Yep. They trade for Sam Darnold. They trade multiple picks for Sam Darnold. And it does seem like they're going to roll with Sam Darnold next year. They have faith that Joe Brady, the skill position players that they have, the infrastructure in place in Carolina is such that they can get a lot more out of Sam Darnold than the Jets did. Yeah, and what is curious, it's it's one of those, it was was Phil Snow running quarters and all that zone because they had to? Yes. Or because is that what he prefers? And that's what you don't know until you get better players. Correct. And that's why, you know, Rex Ryan, like anytime you get a blitz happy, I'm not saying Phil Snow is, but any blitz happy scheme, they're like, we need a man corner because we were, they have to live in that world. That's why those Jets defenses with Rex Ryan were able to just be unlocked Mm -hmm. when they, when all of a sudden you just had Revis, just Revis Island, just taken off a side. And that's just what's curious. Oh my God. What happened? The Bears just traded up. <laughs> okay. Okay. I okay. I, I don't. I, this is okay. Here sorry. we go. We're, we're no, reacting that's, to this in real time here. Feel, Justin Fields is available. I. This is ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so glad we started. We started at pick ten and not pick fifteen. Yeah, exactly. I cannot believe this is happening right now. All right. So it, let's wait. Let's wait yeah. for a second. Obviously, we think this is for a quarterback. Yep. So. Dude. It would make sense that it would be Justin Fields, right? It would. I mean, it's you're not making this move for Mac Jones. Nope. If they are, I will. I don't know what I'll do. Yeah, that's I don't know how I'm going to react. Andy Dalton plus. You, you already got. You already have a month of them. So, so. let's talk about it. Like, well, no reason to speculate about this now. Yeah. Let's well, let's wait until the pick four, happens. Four minutes. So, going back to the Carolina for a second here. Obviously, you know, the the corner thing makes sense. Do you think that Sam Darnold in that system? If, let's do this. Would you have rather had Justin Fields? Do you think that yeah. if, if you could just drop Justin Fields in there, you'd think that it should not have precluded them from doing this? So Schefter is now uh, on TV. I'm sorry. I'm like distracted. Yeah, no, you're this, is, this is really hard no, for me to no, do. No. I'll, I'll distract you real quick. No, and I, I think I think I would have gone Fields because it's younger. It, it kind of it, it alleviates some headaches that you might cause for yourself. You know, if Sam Darnold blows up or if he just busts, then you're like, you're totally out of the whack with fields. At least you have a couple years yeah. to like just buy yourself. And but we never know what the Panthers time. It's a is. And, that, and that's the difference. Yeah. That's that's we've talked about that with Carolina for so, yep. so many times since this new regime came in. And it really does feel like there isn't a ton of patience there. No. They went out and signed Teddy Bridgewater before they had to do that. Yep. They 
went out and, and they didn't spend a ton of money in free agency last year, but they also didn't tear it down totally. There was a decent amount of dead money, but they still weren't aggressive, but they added pieces on a timeline that a lot of teams wouldn't necessarily add pieces. Yep. So that, that's why it's just a little bit, that's, that's why it's a little bit confusing and a little bit hard to understand exactly what they're doing. So Justin Fields is walking back into his living room right now. This is terrible radio, but I, it, it's, it seems like this is happening. I, did you wake up today thinking this was even over? I, so I've, I've gone over this a few different times in okay. my mind about whether I want this to happen. Yeah. Because do I want this regime spending a, more draft capital going up and making this aggressive sort of move for this guy or anyone? Yeah. It, do, I, do I want more time and more leeway for the pace Nagy regime? And I think for this guy, We'll, we'll see what the price is. Obviously, that's going to be part of this conversation. I think he's really special. I do too. I think that he is super talented. I think that we've overthought this. When you watch what type of player he is, the, the ability that he has, I, I am ready to attach myself to this guy for the next several years. I love it. We'll see what happens. Who's the coaching staff? Everything else. That's the problem is how does it align? Is this the group that I want to get the most out of a player as talented as Justin Fields? If it is Justin yes, Fields. I know. And, and then it was Mac Jones. And I think the answer is yes. I, I think that even though those things are a little bit disjointed in my mind, I am still, it's still worth it to me. It is yep. still worth making a play about this sort of guy. Even if, so it, from going from 20 to 11, it's not going from 20 to four. Correct. So we'll see what this is. So let's say it's next year's first and a little bit more. I do that. That's fine. I do that because there's no quarterbacks next year. Either. This is this is what they screwed up in 2017. Was not do was yes. th- these guys went in the same range in 2017. It was Deshaun Watson and Patrick yep. Mahomes right here. Yep. This exact same range. And that, look at w- when the Chiefs, the first round pick they gave away, the first round pick the Texans gave away in that deal. They've never thought about them again because of the guys that they got. You would hope that Justin Fields is that guy for the Bears, if it is Justin Fields. I'm, but I don't, nothing is off the table with this team and quarterback. They're nothing. About, they're about to announce it, but we say that the stars, you shouldn't squint. Yes. It doesn't matter what the regime is. You don't have to squint with Justin Fields. So that's what, that's the one caveat where, not the caveat, but the one saving grace with it. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Here we go. You, I, I, this is, I, I can't believe this. How happened. good are you? I can't lips? believe it happened, but it's amazing that we're live and watching this happen. How good are your eating lips? Oh, man. That, just really dragging it out here. Yeah. Come on now. Oh, my God. He has four cards right now. So I don't know what we're missing. Yeah, I don't either. That's, that's the problem. The, the meat, the, there's no volume on right now. He has like four cards. Oh, goodness. Watch them trade up for a linebacker. <laughs> really? What are we doing here? Uh, it's probably something serious. And now you look like the bad guy. Just, just sitting don't here. Waiting. They're, they're now, now the draftathon is here. You'd have to. So I don't. I haven't seen it confirmed anywhere. Okay. Oh, I, this is uh, this is torture. <laughs> this, 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 this is amazing. Is, this, is, <laughs> this is amazing. This is agonizing. <laughs> oh, I cannot. All right, here we go. Pick is in. Oh, he's got a mask on, so we can't read the lips either. This is going to be great for the podcast uh, version of this. I, I don't I don't know I, I this I, I can't believe this is happening. All right, so here we go. All right, Justin Fields. Wow, it, it's it's really cool. It's really cool. It was a great show, guys. So see, it. it's really cool. And <laughs> you know why? Awesome. And you know why it's really cool because when, when we did the quarterback show and we were talking about these guys and we were talking about this class, you and I both looked at each other as we were having that discussion and thought, why isn't he the second guy? Yep. 
Why, why not? Why are we overthinking this? Why are we getting to that point? And I talked to somebody, a, a GM in the league I really respect. And we were, I was asking him the same questions. And he said, I think he's the second best guy. I think that he is the best. I would take him over everyone except for Lawrence. And that made me feel better about it. And that makes me excited about this. Obviously, we'll see what they had to do to trade up. Yep. But I really do feel like he's a special talent. I do too. I think he's the type of guy that just doesn't come around that often. And obviously, there are elements to his game that give you a little bit of pause. He is a little bit methodical. He does play a little bit slower than you'd want him to sometimes. He's not as creative as some of these other guys. And I think you and I discussed this before we even came on. I honestly think him falling and there being three quarterbacks that went over him, it's not an overreaction, but it's, it is a reaction to the types of guys we've seen succeed recently. It's the Mahomes. It's even the Josh Allens, the guys that are loose and creative and make plays outside of structure. That's not really Justin Fields. As talented and as as athletic as he is, mm-hmm. he plays in the pocket. Yep. And, and he's a quarterback. It, he, yes. He reminds me of Cam Newton in that way, even though I think that he's more accurate than Cam Newton, yep. which is what makes me excited about him. Yep. The fact that this guy is 6'4", 225, runs a 4'4", and is an accurate quarterback. Yep. Those are the boxes I want checked. That exactly. is, I can't believe this just happened. I know this is like <laughs> surreal right now. I know I'm like actually like <sighs> to the Bears, <laughs> and and like I, I texted you the one time because we we're I'm so excited. I know you are. I, I, I know you are. I'm 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 thinking more with my analytical brain than I am with my fan brain at this point, and I'm so excited. <laughs> I just I'm really excited that Justin Fields you're watching is the, the highlights. Of my team. I know and you're watching the highlights right now. It, and I and it's so the number one jersey. If you had told me while watching and I'm, that sixty yard bomb that yep. he completed on that skinny post that we just watched to Olave on the TV, that throw I've gone back to that throw so many times when I've talked about him. Just the ultra talent. It's yep. just so apparent. When I watched him in that game and when I watched him make those throws, I never in a million years thought that, that he would could be a Chicago Bear. My team. I just Wait, I oh, never, here we go. Here we I go. never right. in a million years. Oh my god, are you thought to... it could be possible? And now there it is. It is Again, I'm, I'm torn a little bit just because is this the right regime to get the most out of him? Do we really want these guys to make this decision again? But if it's this guy, if it's a, a prospect of this quality, then I'm okay with it. Yep. Well, like you said, when when they trade up for Mahomes, the Chiefs did, or you know, Texans with Deshaun Watson, you got your guy. Who cares? Like everything else will solve itself. Everything else will will figure out itself. And, you know, the, actually, as you watch him more too, it was like I, I think I texted you this because we were getting excited both watching him after we recorded that show, and you're like, yeah, man, I'm like, what am I messing with this guy? And I said to you, I was like, he's like a tiny Dante Culpepper. Yeah. It's like even smarter. It's, it's like he operates on time and does all like that. And the fact that Dante was so big and athletic. But he always operated from the pocket. Like you don't yeah. remember Dante could do the creation things and all that, but he wanted to operate from the pocket. He wants to be a quarterback. You're not molding yeah. this guy and going, you know, he's a wild horse. We gotta just, you know, we gotta get, build a skill set and polish. It's like, no, he has the polish. It's so funny. Yeah. It's, it's we're doing you the other want thing, him so. to run more <laughs> yeah. and you want him to run quicker. And yes. that, if that's what you're trying to do with your quarterback that's this talented, yep. it's great. All right. Yep. We're going to bring in Lindsey Jones to talk about the Broncos pick. Obviously, she's incredibly locked in to everything that's happened there. She's covered that team for a very long time, and it's been one of the moments of the draft. Lindsey, how are you doing? Hey, uh, I am good. Um, It's been kind of wild. I was um, like begging them to let me in for when the Bears pick was coming, Um, but I'm glad to be here now. I was sitting backstage watching you. I could not tell if you were crying. Can you confirm? Are there tears? I've tried to keep it together. I've tried Uh, to keep it together as much as possible here. um, Well, congratulations, Robert. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm excited. Look, I mean, I know I'm here to talk about um, the Broncos pick, but 
Did they get QB two? I mean, did the Bears just get maybe the second best quarterback? I, this group. I, I mean, time they, will I tell, right? But... I think they might have. And, and obviously, these things are dependent on so many different factors. Yeah. How much help are you getting? And that's one of the questions that I have is, what's get that scheme going to look like? Is he going to unlock that offense in a way we haven't seen other guys do it? Who's going to play receiver on this team if they trade Anthony Miller? They still don't have a right tackle. And that's the problem. Not the problem, but that's the consideration when you mm-hmm. make a move like this is that your quarterback needs to cover up so many of those woes. And I think that if he's the building block and he's a guy you can build around, even if the GM changes, even if the coach changes, even if you need to make some tweaks to the roster, having that guy at the center of it still makes everything else okay. Yes. And that, that's what I'm hoping for. That's so, your building block. That's your main building block. And everything else would just branch off from there. Lindsay, obviously the Broncos didn't take a quarterback. Yeah. They took a corner at number nine. Nate and I were discussing this before you came on. I think the position I would have said was the lowest need <laughs> on probably their entire roster before this got started. How surprised are you that this is the direction they went with that pick? Well, this is clearly like a Vic Fangio influence, right? I mean, look, if we if you went back to all the mock drafts from January, February, the first two weeks of March, this would have been like a slam dunk pick. Like, I bet there's a whole bunch of mock yep. drafts that yep. had certain yep. um, back Pretty in March. Kyle Fuller. Yeah, exactly. So it's, <laughs> yep. it, it's not just Kyle Fuller. It was also Ronald Darby. So yep. Yep. they clearly knew it was a position of need, but they invested very heavily there. Um, but this is just very clearly like Vic Fangio looked at the way the board was. And that shows that he's having some influence um, in a George Payton draft room because, you know, adding certain, he's immediately a starting caliber cornerback. It's going to give Fangio a ton of flexibility with his defense. And look, they, this, the Broncos had a really good defense for a lot of last year, but cornerback was a major liability. They only got two interceptions out of their uh, cornerback position last year. Both of those were from um, Bryce Callahan, uh, but they, you know, they just, got so little production and consistency out of their starting cornerbacks. So, you know, that position is, is fixed now. I mean, this defense looks like it's going to be really good. And that's great when you're playing in a division that has Patrick Mahomes and now Justin Herbert. About to say. That's great. <laughs> that, but, we have four of those games. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's really, really important. And, um, you know, the Broncos defense, I just, the Broncos were further away from the Chiefs last year than they were at any point over the last few years. And this helps them. My, my 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 question right now is I still don't think offensively they're any closer to keeping up with those teams. So so let's talk about that because yeah. obviously the biggest news of the day um, before the Bears traded for Justin Fields, which is all that matters, <laughs> which is now. fair. So the, biggest, the biggest news of the day before that happened was everything that we've heard about Aaron Rodgers, and several different reports came out on several different levels. Uh, Adam Schefter you know, did the first one, and then several other people I think since then have talked about how unhappy he is. The discord that's happening with him in the front office in Green Bay. And it's been reported, I think, by multiple different people Mm -hmm. that the Broncos are heavily involved in that. Do you think that is shaping the way that they're approaching this draft? And how real do you think their interest might be? And have you heard anything about just how realistic it might be for Aaron Rodgers to end up in Denver here in short order. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think from a Broncos side, the interest is, is real. Like I think they, you know, they've been exploring a ton of options and the fact that they traded for Teddy Bridgewater yesterday doesn't take them out of any of these sort of quarterback trade conversations. I think there's, you know, a lot of real, uh, realistic expectations about what the Broncos quarterback situation looks like. Bridgewater raises their, uh, their floor a little bit, but their ceiling is still pretty low with Bridgewater and Locke. So if Aaron Rodgers is available, um, the Broncos have the cap space um, to to fit this in. And there's a lot of things that are attractive about what Denver can offer in terms of um, future draft capital, 
they're at one, they're able to take on the salary. Um, and for from if you're Rogers, I would look at Denver and say, there's a lot of stuff you would like about it. And you would be excited probably about coming here. The big wild card in all of this, right, is if the Packers are just going to dig in and they're not going to field offers or they're not going to engage in trade talks right now, then that kind of you know, makes it moot, however, and however interested any of these teams are. And so, yeah, I mean, like an hour before the draft, things were going nuts in Denver and I had just (laughs) chugged a cold brew. So like I was racing and I was like, (laughs) the airport, Centennial airport is just like a couple miles. I live right off of the same road. And I was like, let's go. Like I was ready to go. And then, you know, my buddy, Mike Kliss, who is very plugged into the Broncos front office, like threw a whole bunch of, you know, cold water all over that. And I kind of like settled down and said, okay, I don't need to get in my car right now. But I still think we have to keep that on the table for the Broncos because look, if you're a Broncos fan right now, and if they come out of this weekend and you're heading into OTAs in a month and your quarterbacks are Bridgewater and Locke, that's somewhat of a downer considering, um, you know, the options that were there. I mean, they could have taken Justin Fields, um, you know, yeah, a couple hours ago. They thought they could have Aaron Rodgers I'm very, instead. very happy that he's going to look good. Rogers he's going to look good in orange. That's all I'm saying. I am very, very happy that all of the stuff with Aaron Rodgers unfolded over the last 12 or six hours or so, because if that in any way chased the Broncos yeah. off of Justin Fields, I will be forever indebted to Aaron Rodgers and his entire team for leaking this at the moment that they did. So thank you very much to them. <laughs> That's exactly right. It was like, no, as soon as that pick came in with a nine, it was like, okay, they're going quarterback here. They have to. And it's like, okay, okay. Court. But then it's like, it was like all these branches of life just over, like, you know, choose your adventure book. It was like, we just added 500 pages to it. <laughs> like, oh. It was like, now, now Justin Fields is a bear. It's like, holy crap. This is, this is actually happening. Also, the bears seem to have done a really good thing at quarterback and Dave Gettleman traded down. For new leaves. Oh my god, I didn't even think about Personal that. Personal growth on many different I levels did not even think in the about 2021 that. NFL draft. Lindsay, we will check in with you a little bit later tonight. Really appreciate it. Always good to talk with you. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. See you later. Hey, Lindsay. Well, I mean, I also too. I, I still am trying to process everything. I, I honestly think <laughs> I, I think the Giants were so circled on Devontae Smith too, and then the Eagles just swooped up and got him. So it's like I think Gilman was like, I, I have to do this trade thing. I actually have to use this phone that I have in my draft room on this day and call somebody to do this. And I'm trying desperately to be professional. I just want to go. My phone is recording you right now. I can't believe it hasn't melted. I'm, I'm assuming there are 10,000 text messages on that phone right I'm now. I'm just glad we didn't miss the high five. <laughs> so let's reset a little bit. Again, yeah, this is, yeah. it's really hard for me to do oh my this, God. which is my job. So we're sitting at 13 now. Micah Parsons just went to the Cowboys at number 12. Yep. There were a lot of, there's a lot of speculation over the course of the last week that the Chargers may need to trade up to go get a starting tackle. Rashawn Slater still on the board. Yep. That would be a coup yep. for this team if they see him as a tackle, if they see him as an option at left tackle. Yep. When you look at all the other moves they've made this offseason, they've done so much to protect Justin Herbert. This would just be the next step in that. So let's go back a little bit to some of the picks that have just yep. happened. Obviously, all the excitement around the Justin Fields <laughs> thing kind of chased us <laughs> off where we were. So the Eagles going up to get Devontae Smith. Yep. I We talk about timeline with the Chargers. I think the Eagles timeline is also really interesting because this is a team that traded back out of six. Yep. May have gotten a guy they probably would have wanted at six anyway, by the way. Mm-hmm. I liked, I think both of us like Devontae Smith more than Jalen Waddell, yes. who the Dolphins got at six. So 
it feels like this team understands it's a long-term rebuild, all of that stuff. But I believe that Devontae Smith can be a building block, no matter what your timeline seems to be. We both loved him. We've talked about this. He will be an outlier if he succeeds. We have not seen many guys at that size dominate in the league, but we haven't seen guys that many guys that size be a Heisman winning wide yes. receiver. Uh, and put up. What is your favorite thing about Devontae Smith just as a receiver compared to not only the rest of the guys in this class, but the reason you think he can be good at that size? Just the unbelievable body control and hand-eye coordination that he always just plays with. It, it's just that fluid athleticism. And it's so hard to describe him because it's like, He's not twitchy and explosive, but he smooth, is. Man. Yeah, it's just but it's smooth. smooth and he eats up that grass. And I, I compared that running style to Randy Moss, but I mean, again, I'm not comparing him to Randy, but it's just how that that natural movement, like he catches a bubble, it just he gets upfield. And also just that I I rarely use the term rare, but he does have rare hands. Like he yeah. has that actually sticky hands, like you know no what? matter what the contested catch or anything he is. Do you know what I love about him? is that he plays so much bigger than he is. And we, yep. so we say that all the time, but he does it in so many different ways. There was a rep against Mizzou that I tweeted out. It was the first game I watched him play where he buried a guy. Yeah. On, a, on the block, right? A guy yep. on a block on yep. the sideline. I was like, ooh. Yes, <laughs> I know. I was like, ooh. Because I come to these guys late. I always do. And I knew who he was. You're on the I, head coach schedule, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. <laughs> I knew schedule. who he was, obviously. I mean, I'd watched the big games that they played in. Yep. I, I was just astounded by him over the course of the last college football season. But when you dig in, you learn little tiny quirks of guys that if you haven't watched them in depth and that play, I was like, Oh man, now I'm excited now. And then you watch some other stuff. One of the things I liked about Mac Jones, who still hasn't been picked yet is that he's really good at understanding where open space is going to be in coverage structure and everything else. Yeah. And it it not only anticipates who's going to come open, but where he needs to put the ball. But if you're going to play like that, it helps to have guys who attack the ball. And that's the aspect of Devontae Smith as a receiver that jumped out to me. He attacks the ball. He is going after it in those moments. And if you're going to weigh 170 pounds, you need to play big. But that guy plays so much bigger than he is. One of the other things that you and I talked about today and I feel like it's a really interesting contrast with Waddle and Smith. When you watch them in stacks and bunches at Alabama, who is the point man? <laughs> Devontae Smith is the point guy on that. Yes. He's the one creating space yep. for Jalen Waddle, which I think is so telling and so interesting that we have this tiny, skinny little guy that is the yep. one playing with physicality. That's the one you want to be tossing so, his body around. To kind of put it in perspective, it's like you have a screener in basketball that's a 6'2 player. Yes, power yes. Forward. That's kind of like the equivalent. He's setting the pick and roll at 6'2. Like, you know, like in basketball terms, you know, uh, Smith is six foot. But also just that he's so he's skinny. Yes, we know that. But it's like he's never missed time. He has the hurt finger, which yeah. is like whatever. But it's every time he gets hit, he just bounces right up, like nothing phases him. And he just throws the ball. And he always throws the ball perfectly to the ref, which I also is just some, it's just these little like you said, you watch these guys, these things add up and you're just like, this guy's just a natural athlete. Just one of those guys. He probably, he never plays a sport. It's like, Oh, go play soccer. And he just kicks the ball. And it's like, just perfect. He hits the pipe. He plays like, with confidence. Yep, he, confidence. He plays with ultra confidence. So let's go all the way back to the beginning here. Obviously Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson go one, two. We yep. understood that was going to happen. The Niners pick Trey Lance at three. Yes. What do you think ultimately sold Kyle Shanahan on the idea of Trey Lance in that Niners offense. He's from Minnesota. No, it's the, he, I think what he saw him it, and I, we mentioned it before, but it was the antithesis of what they had with Jimmy G. I yeah. think he was tired of 
not being able to attack down the field consistently 25 yards or more. We'll see the stats that come up and they say like Jimmy G is, you know, third in efficiency on deep balls. It's like, but then you look at the rate and it's like, he only threw 18 of them. Everyone else threw 40. I think Kyle wants to get back to 40. He's yeah. like, okay, I'm tired of a running basically a glorified triple wing, you know, or, or single wing offense right now. You know, it is with, what it with, looks like. Yeah. It kind of is, yeah. right? I mean, it really, if you look at the formations too, it's like, that's that's just old school offense, like Foxballing basically. And it's, I mean, that's kind of what they're going for. But now they got a quarterback that's like, that just unlocks some stuff that in creativity. That John Wolford starts for the Rams probably influenced so many other coaches around yeah. this league that go, Okay, we see McVeigh with Jared Goff, and now we got a guy that can use his legs, and you can see him get creative. Yeah. And these coaches like being creative. They get bored. And so yes. also they get yes. bored. They do. It's just and, yep. Sean Slate for the great. Chargers. It's great. Yeah, that's a great. I, listen. Makes sense. I I don't want to get sucked in again to the Chargers. I already have. It's already too late. I've already gotten sucked into the Chargers again. I love their offseason. Yep. I love it. If they Makes needed sense. to remake that offensive line and they have thrown a no-hitter. In remaking that offensive yes, line, have. I I remember talking. I was talking to Scott Pioli about this last fall. I was doing a story about how you build around a young quarterback when you know you have your guy. What do you do next? And you know we talk about tackles all the time and pass protection and everything else. And he mentioned this to me. And then you look back on it, and it, it really does hold water. Who are the centers for a lot of these quarterbacks that are becoming very good? You don't need to draft them high necessarily. Nope. You don't need to pay up for them. But I think Alex Mack going to Atlanta. Jeff Saturday being with Peyton Manning. Mm -hmm. A lot of these, there are so many examples of it. And I think bringing Corey Lindsley in to help. Corey Lindsley is a smart person. Yes. yes. Corey is a very smart and it's guy. He's young where it's like he's figuring it out with That's Herbert. Exactly right. It's like, no, he's, exactly already, right. he's already done it. You're going to take some mental stuff off Herbert's plate. Yeah. I think it's a perfect big fit. moments too. Yes. And Herbert. Yes. Herbert has a huge Herbert moments. has the Rose yes. Bowl. And that's basically it. Corey is. He is the most even keel dude you will ever meet in your entire life. And I think pairing that with Justin Herbert is really nice. So as a young quarterback, yeah. even though there's a lot of even keel. Yeah, I was going to say guys. That, the, the calmest huddles you'll yes. ever get. But also Matt Filer coming into play guard, yes. who, solid, solid yep. player. The type of free Good signing start. I love. Eight, seven and a half million dollars a year. Bring him in to be a stopgap yep. starter. They are very excited about Ode Abushi, who they brought yep. in from the, from Detroit. In their minds, he is he played the best football of his career last year in Detroit, and they think it's only going up from here. Even though I th- believe he's thirty years old, yeah. But they truly believe that he turned a corner last season, and they got him for nothing. Yeah. And then now, you bring in Rashawn Slater to presumably be your left tackle. Brian Balaga is at right tackle. This has now gone from a disaster unit to a potential plus plus offensive yes. line over the course of a month and a half. And that's what. You everyone wants improvement. You want say you have a, just a poor crap starter, and it's like we want the star, we want the Pro Bowler. But even going from below average to above average, that's two tiers of bumps. Yes, like and yes, but they're going from below average to good, and that's possible. Like the five, yes, yeah. Belaga's yeah. there's injury yes, yes, issues, yes, yes, and they yes. have depth, and I think that's the problem but, but with like, this Chargers. Look, a guy like Filer, they're going from crap to good, yes. and that's like you know, yes. three. That's a three tier improvement, and when you do that across the board, offensive line is usually some of all their parts, and you just get above average to good across the board, and with versatility that they might have with a guy like Slater, who can maybe bounce around, and that helps with injuries. Who, who's been bit by the injury bug more than anyone? The Chargers. Yeah. At what position? Offensive line. Okay, let's get a guy that, say a guard did go down. Alright, we got two guys that are also stars. We can swing there. They can find the best sum of their parts. That Absolutely. is just so huge. They're, Offensive line, we'll love guys that are just, you know, a dominant guard. But then if they can't play center, it's like, ooh, like, ooh, like, 
what's his like Gabe Jackson? I love Gabe Jackson. Can't Gabe, play center. Gabe, Gabe made a center. Gabe, Gabe is a gap guard. Gap That's what guard. Gabe is. Can't play zone. Can't play center. So it's like it's very limited what his use is and what you can do with that. Wow. Oh, Jets, Jets moved up. up with the with the Vikings. Interesting. Okay, let's get back to the Niners here for a second. Obviously, yes. we've talked about this trade for the past month. It is it has been the story yep. of the pre-draft process. It's a huge, huge haul. I mean, what they traded to move up. I think. Even if it should have shouldn't have informed or tinged my thinking about it, it did. Because when you're trading two future first round picks, this is the same type of haul that the Rams paid in 2016. It's in that range yeah. to go from 16 to one to go get Jared Goff. If you're going to trade that, it's it's the same thing we're talking about with Justin Fields and Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. They're making up for those holes if you trade away future first. If you're going to trade away two future firsts, you need a quarterback who is going to cover that up. Yeah. And I think you need someone ultra-talented. The Mac Jones, if you had traded two future first-round picks for Mac Jones, it reminds me of paying $30 million a year to Kirk Cousins. Kirk Cousins is a totally acceptable quarterback. Yeah. The, the play you're going to get from Kirk Cousins, the floor is defined. I like Kirk Cousins. Yeah. But if the opportunity cost and not being able to spread that money around to help a guy like Kirk Cousins who needs help yes. for you to take for them to take you over the top. That's what it reminded me of. It's like, all right, even if we think Mac Jones is going to be pretty good in Kyle Shanahan's offense, what you're giving up to yes. get for him, you can't prop him up. All those other first rounders yes. would have really been helpful yes. for what Mac Jones needs. Now, <laughs> Trey Lance, I think, is talented enough and the ceiling is high enough yes. that it changes the conversation. Because if you look at what the Niners have been over the last few years under Shanahan. Garoppolo, 22 and 8 as a starter. Everyone else, 7 and 27. Jesus. It combined as a starter. And Shanahan alluded to that with when he was talking about Jimmy this week. And he's been very honest through this process in a way that he can't really help himself, which I appreciate about yeah. Kyle Shanahan. He has said the injuries were the biggest issue. So now it's a question of, all right, if we have a quarterback that can just keep it on the rails, what can we be? And now I think the conversation changes even again. We have a guy that if he stays healthy, we know we're going to have a baseline level play. And now the ceiling doesn't even exist because of what Trey Lance's talent can give you. That's the thing with size. I think mis- people misconstrue, even myself sometimes, is we think size is play strength. It's durability. Yeah. It's it's holding up over now a 17 game season. Totally. And that's some of my concerns with Zach Wilson is that is that he's a little thin framed and probably maxed out. Trey Lance just has that natural build where he's just big and he can actually carry the ball. Yeah, you don't want him to run 15 times. You don't want any quarterback to run the ball that much in the NFL. It's just it's just hard. All of a sudden you get whapped in the shoulder a couple of times and you have to throw the ball. That's not fun. But he gives you the option. All of a sudden you get inside that five yard line. You know how many touchdowns he's going to rack up? Like just what Kyle Shanahan's going to design down there. Just any movement stuff. I love the quarterback stuff. run game that they can it's put It's going to be so much there fun. There's just so many wrinkles to that offense yeah. now. There's so many possible wrinkles. They could be in the gun with Juice Check right there and have Juice Check lead block for Lance and they're yes. plus one on the run. Yes. Game. It's just going to be like you can run the outside zone with him as the quarterback. It, it basically, you're going old school single wing offense at that. And then also on the next play, he can do a perfect mechanical drop back off a play action game on the boot, a half roll, and it launch the ball. So guys are going to be most likely wide open because it's Kyle Shanahan's offense. And I think that's the the interesting part about Lance is that obviously 17 starts, right? Yeah. There there is a rawness to his game. I think there's some scattershot accuracy where it's like, all right, you know, that's not the best thing in the world. But there are elements to his game that fit right away. Yeah. There isn't a lot of projection with him and the play action element of this 
like there would be with some of these other Correct. guys, which I think is gone every single yeah, snap. So yes, exactly. There's an aspect to his game where it's just like, yeah, you'd hope that there's going to be some growth there, obviously. Yeah. But at the same time, it's less. You, it requires less imagination with him in that offense than it would for a lot of the other guys yes. in this draft, especially because he's under center. Yes. <laughs> it's like it's like oh, it's refreshing sometimes, and actually, it's kind of funny because Jimmy played out of the gun so much, yes. and you'd assume it's because that's what Jimmy was comfortable yes. with. If you go back to he other to years. Of what Shanahan has done, Matt Ryan's under center yep. to the degree that he didn't even want at the beginning because Matt Ryan likes playing from the gun. And Kai was like, we're doing play action under center. And that's going to help. So I think it. we've talked about this with Shanahan so many times about how the personnel informs the offense. It, it, it does. And we the Shanahan system has changed. Yes. It looks so different from what it looked like in with Matt Schaub in 2010 mm-hmm. to what it looked like, I guess in 2009, with what it looked like with Robert Griffin in 2012 yep. to what it looked like with Brian Hoyer in 2014 yep. to what it looked like with Matt Ryan in 2016 to what they d- have done over the last couple of years. I remember talking to Andrew Hawkins about this, who played for Kyle in Cleveland in 2014. And he loves him because every person I talked to <laughs> that plays for Kyle and, and that staff even because uh, – um, Mike McDaniel was his wide receivers coach yep. in Cleveland, and he would rave reviews about Mike McDaniel. And he was saying his the number he estimated was 60%. 60% of the offense moves from place to place. The other 40% changes with your personnel. And that's what is so exciting about this. And I think that's why there was so much intrigue about the pick. Because we've seen all of this from Kyle Shannon, because we are in agreement, I think, as a football watching community, that he's very good at this. Yes. We wanted to see where he landed. If you look at the numbers, since 2017, Jimmy Garoppolo is second in the NFL in yards per attempt. He is fourth in EPA per pass among quarterbacks. So, and by the way, he's Nick Mullins maximize. is eighth yeah. in yards per he's attempt. He's going to maximize what he's got. <laughs> he's going to maximize whoever it is. And that's why I think it was so tempting to envision this as who is the most talented guy we can drop in here. I, now because I'm emotionally attached to it, would say it's Justin Fields, <laughs> but you can probably make a case that Trey Lance is in that exact same conversation. Absolutely. Same same kind of cloth of player in the sense that it's, they, they, I mean, I, I, I keep saying like, yeah, big athletic and everything, big arm and all that, but it's just the cerebralness. That's what probably Kyle Shanahan interviewed this guy and goes, uh, yeah, we can run our stuff with him. Like, yeah, I can, I, he's going to, oh. What is this? I mean, that's clearly not no, real. No, no, but, but the Patriots. Oh, the yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we're, we're reacting to Mac Jones on the phone here on the television. But the pick is in for the Jets at 14. Yep. So the Jets, obviously, they were in the catbird seat with this draft in some ways yep. because along with having the second pick in the draft, they also had an additional first-round pick from the Jamal Adams trade. If you look at all of the moves the Jets have made this offseason, if you look at all of those, the signings and even bringing in Robert Sala, so you have Robert Sala coming in as your head coach. Corey Davis signs the free agent. They go out and get yep. Carl Lawson, Sheldon Rankins. This team has made a lot of aggressive moves mm-hmm. to get better right now. The rebuild for them is over. Yep. So you have Zach Wilson as the first step of that. Whoever they traded up for here with Minnesota being the next step of that. You know, it could be an offensive lineman. Obviously, that's a huge area of need for them. Yeah, they went but, Vera Tucker here. So yeah. They, oh, they did went, they? Yep. So that's that's being confirmed. So they're gonna go him and Becton on the left side, and they're gonna be locked in for the next decade. I, I <laughs> it's great. Love it. I do too. I love I'm it. I'm glad. Because so they have George Fant at right tackle still. It's not the best option in the yep. world, but it does seem like they were comfortable rolling with him this year. They signed him in for HC last offseason. And now you have a, just a 
boulder of a guard. Yes. You just drop. I, I said this when I, the first time I watched him. He is a guy you draft, and they took him at 14, so it, it, a little bit off. But I said he's a guy you draft from 18 to 25. You put him at guard, and he starts for the next 10 years. And you're fine. That's exactly the type of guy that he reminds me of. And I just I think it makes total sense. So now you look at this offense overall. You have Becton at left tackle. Yep. You have Rivera Tucker at one of your guards. Yep. In other interior spots, still a conversation. Connor McGovern is there. You know, they've spent some money. That may be a work in progress. And but the offensive line is better now with yes. him. This yes. is a solidifying factor. You have Corey Davis, Denzel Mims on the outside. You still have Jameson Crowder there. Yep. With Keelan Cole one two year slot options. Running back. Whatever we you and I had this discussion today. Do you know yes. who to play running back for the Jets next year? Literally just anyone. You, and you you went Jeff Wilson when our, when we were talking about it, but it's like yeah, just pick two first names. Give me, just, just two names, two give, nouns. Just, just so give me there. some version of Raheem Mostert. I yeah. want a guy who return kicks in college and runs a four four one. You can take him in the eighth round. Be fine. I don't give a shit. It's gonna be fine. That's totally fine with me. So, but then you have Denzel Mims and those two guys on the outside, and a scheme I'm excited to watch. Yes, it it is an, a type of offense I like to see, and I want to know what this version of it is going to look like. Kat, do you want to go to break with the Patriots about to pick at 15 here? Okay, so all right, so well, look, well, the Patriots pick is in at 15. We just saw Mac Jones on the phone, so we yeah. will we will wait to talk about that here for a second. But again, this was a a really pivotal draft for the Jets. It was a potentially foundational draft for the Jets. And coming away from the first 14 picks with Elijah Vera Tucker and a, a quarterback. Yes. Not the second best quarterback in the draft because the second best quarterback in the draft or potentially the best is, is now Chicago, Chicago Bear, Bear. <laughs> which we, I would like to keep reminding everyone of for the next four hours here as we're doing this. I just still give away But that, obviously man. a guy they think is their quarterback but in the future. You got to think this is just smart thinking. Like we brought the running back example and that was like what fans were clamoring for. We need a running back. We need a running back. Travis Etienne, it's like, no, you don't need that. And this just shows that the Jets is kind of, they're thinking the right way when they're building this team. They went back to them last year, even with the doldrums of a team. With Joe Douglas is looking at this right way. Yeah, they went Wilson. Wilson's my number four quarterback. I still think he's a legit first rounder and he's going to bring excitement to the team. And they're going to, and, you know, Michael Floor is going to do a good job. It's still a Shanahan offense. I mean, it's going to be a version of it. And it's going to, so the, at least the bar is going to be lifted. So they, we they're really... building inside out. But also, too, is, is Mims is going to be a great pairing for Zach Wilson. Because he, yeah. he's a ball winner. Yes. And what does Zach Wilson like to do? He underthrows deep balls. Yeah, yeah he yeah. does. He underthrows deep balls. Oh, my God. This is so great. Now Fields is your guy. So now you're now just, I'm ah. just going to shit on Zach Wilson for the next however long because I'm just totally in the bag for Justin Fields. I that already was. It's been on the record. I have been a Justin Fields guy from yes, the beginning. It's not a revisionist history. That's why it's so exciting. All right. Patriots pick is in. Mac Jones yep. is a New England Patriot. This makes all the sense it in does. the world. It does. I mean, this was like what it, elements of what Mac Jones is as a quarterback do you think fits with what we've seen offensively from New England? Oh, getting the ball out of time. Out yeah. of time. I mean, that's Tom Brady's greatest asset. That was the coolest thing. I'm sorry, I'm comparing Tom Brady to Mac Jones. I'm not. But but like, that it, comparison it, has been made a lot in the pre-draft process, even if it's a little bit much. Yes. It, but but the fact that he gets the ball in time, he's so accurate. And that's the thing with Tom Brady is you watch him in the Bruce Arians offense and it really it, it shone a light to how good Tom Brady is to me because also I see not, not that I always knew he was great, but also just seeing him operate this Bruce Arians offense. And that, that is not it's quarterback friendly, but it's not quarterback friendly. The time to throw and average depth of target like, does not compute. Exactly. It, how quickly he was getting the ball out and how far they were pushing yeah. the ball down the field should be it's impossible. Like him and Big Ben were one, like next to each other in time to throw. And then you look at their, their <laughs> a dot and they're the complete opposite. It's so like top and the bottom. And so with that, it's it's 
that's what Mac Jones could do. They're, Josh McDaniels is going to love that. They're like, okay, he's going to get the ball on time for us. Like everything's going to be exactly how we coach. He's tough. He can cre- he can't really create, but he can throw off platform a little bit when he does have to move in the pocket. And guess what? That's what Tom Brady was great at was moving in the pocket. So they're like, okay, they probably see those same qualities with him. Yeah, we're not saying it's the same tier of player. I mean, but no one's really going to compare to Brady for a long time. But it's just that those attributes is what they're going to like. Hey, we're going to teach him to do X, Y, Z. He's going to do X, Y, Z right on time, every single time. And that's what Mac Jones is going to bring. I also think that all of the moves that they made in free agency, this is a team that has a lot of talent right now. Yeah. Not a lot of talent, but they, not a lot nice of holes. Pieces. Not nice a lot pieces. of holes on yeah. offense. Yeah. That's what they did in free agency. They built an offense that I think a quarterback could do something with. You have Johnny Smith. You have Hunter Henry. I mean, we don't love the receivers, but they're starting they're caliber Ken- receivers. Kendrick Bourne. Yeah, you do love Kendrick <laughs> Bourne. That's right. That's right. So Kendrick Bourne is your guy. So I, I am curious to see what that will look like. And I want to, because I think both of us, it's a different conversation if you're trading two future first round picks to move up and take Mac Jones at three when Trey Lance and Justin Fields are on the board yes. as taking Mac Jones at 15 Which without making go. a trade and having him be the fifth quarterback. Correct. So we like Mac Jones. You and I both do. Yes. And I think this is the range. This is the type of offense. This is the situation where Mac Jones makes sense in a way that the Niners might not have. This makes all the sense in the world. This is what we said, early second round grade on him. He's going to fight half a round. Where'd he go? Pick 15. <laughs> midway, midway through the first round. And it makes all the sense in the world. This is where, like you said, this is the value of Mac Jones. This is where it should have gone. This makes more sense. And now Twitter can kind of calm down and not, not hate Mac Jones as much and appreciate for what he can do, which is basically... Uh, a millennial or Zoomer, uh, Chad Pennington, basically. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to chat with Dane Brugler about what he has taken from the first half of the first round. Excited to do that. We'll be back here in a bit. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. All right, guys, we're back. Excited to welcome in Dane Brugler, the Athletics Draft Expert, released his first round mo- or his entire mock earlier today, his last one. Dane, how you doing, man? It's been a crazy day. I'm sorry, I'm a little, still a little bit shaken from all of this Justin Field stuff. I'm trying to keep it together. 
Uh, how exciting is that for you? That's awesome. <laughs> it's uh, crazy. That is so awesome. It, we didn't have much drama in the top 10. Uh, I mean, yeah. I think besides three, I mean, we knew it was going to be Fields uh, or we knew it was going to be Lance uh, or Mac Jones at three. But then the rest of it played out almost exactly uh, how, how we thought it would. Uh, and, and then we get Fields at 11. And that's just – I love it for Chicago. Uh, and how, how many GMs get a chance to draft – <laughs> Two first round quarterbacks. Not many, not many. Not many do. And I really hope and, and, that this is a mea culpa and this makes up for all of the just ills that have plagued me over the past 33 years of my life. Well, just think about how the narrative can change with Ryan Pace drafting quarterbacks right. in the first round with this pick. Uh, if it happens to hit, uh, I mean, it's, it, it's fascinating. Uh, with Trey Lance, you know, when the trade was made four weeks ago, uh, you know, at the athletic, I did an instant mock draft, uh, you know, gut reaction. Who are they taking? And I went Trey Lance. I thought that made the most sense when you yeah. look at uh, the 49ers and Kyle Shanahan, the, the unique package of skills with Lance, with the athleticism, the arm talent, the intelligence for, at, for such a young age. Now, he's such an unprecedented uh, prospect with only 17 career starts and at the FCS level and all that. But just t- such a unique player. And so I love that fit. Uh, it's just really fascinating that Kyle Shanahan said all along that that it was Trey Lance and you know the Mac Jones stuff that just took over uh, you know the draft conversation for a month uh, really wasn't wasn't to be uh, and then you know looking at the other picks of the top fifteen three receivers all going back to play with uh, you know their former. Uh, college quarterbacks. I that's didn't even think about that. With the Eagles, Eagles too. Yeah, yeah, I didn't think about yeah. that. I didn't Eagles. even think about that. Yeah. So, Dane, you had Waddle to set six to Miami in yeah. your final mock today. What made sense about that fit to you? Why did you prioritize him, or why do you think the Dolphins did over a guy like Devontae Smith? What clicked with that pairing? Really, it was just because I knew the Dolphins loved them. Uh, they, they've loved them for a long time. Uh, and I think I, I kind of wish Penny Sewell would have went fifth just to see who they would have gone with at six whether it would have been Jamar Chase yeah. or Waddle. Cause uh, you know, th- I, I heard all along that Waddle was their top receiver. And so I think they might've gone Waddle over Chase there. Uh, but, you know, he's just with the athleticism, uh, you know, he's, you know, coming into the year, you thought, man, a little bit gadget, w- gadgety with the way he plays this year. You saw him take a, a step forward with his routes. You saw a little more nuance into what he was doing. And I, I think when you project him forward, not only are you reuniting him with Tua, and you know, what that's going to mean for the development of your second-year quarterback, but just as the offense, the offense as a whole, I, I think Waddle is really going to help open things up. I, I also saw from him, I think, a couple different times this year. There's a catch in the Mizzou game that jumps out to me, but the contested catch stuff and the yeah. physicality he plays with, even though he's a little bit undersized, with speed guys every once in a while, I think there are two considerations. Do they play with physicality and what is their change of direction like? Can they throttle down? Are they able to change direction at full speed? And I think those are the boxes that he checks that other receivers that we'd call just speed receivers don't necessarily tech off. The ability to play through contact is is so key with him and he does it consistently. Um, And I think you're right. He's a three level receiver. He can win at all three levels and, you know, make create these big plays. And he did it consistently. At Alabama. Uh, so as long as the medicals were okay, felt pretty strongly he was going to go high. Um, and then you know, I was interested, cornerbacks, Dallas was really worried coming into today. Uh, I'm in Dallas right now. I was at the star earlier. How's the mood over there? Yeah. <laughs> a lot of nervous energy because they had a feeling both cornerbacks were going to be off the board. 
That's exactly what happened, and they were devastated here. Uh, so they, what they do, they trade back. They get Michael Parsons, which was their plan C. And, you know, it's just, it's an interesting fit there uh, with how, you know, what does that mean for uh, Van Der Esch? You know, they have to pick up his fifth uh, year option by Monday. What does that mean with that decision? Jalen Smith, what does that mean? We still don't know Dan Quinn exactly what scheme he's going to run here. He hasn't yet to say that. So uh, it's a really interesting fit there. Uh, And also interesting that they traded within the division, which, you know, usually you don't do that, but they knew if Devontae Smith wasn't going to the, or, you know, he was going 11 to the Giants. So they felt comfortable making that trade with the with the Eagles. So they knew he was going to be in the division no matter what. If you're looking at Parsons' game, obviously we didn't see him doing a lot of dropping at Penn State. He did a ton of blitzing. He's able to add on as a pass rusher. Kind of reminds me of Anthony Barr in that way and the way the Vikings used him early in his right. career. So with Parsons' skill set, what does that illuminate to you about what the Cowboys might want to be defensively? Could he be a little bit like a Vic Beasley, you know, in that scheme? Can he be, uh, you know, a guy that on passing downs you are, uh, you know, using him as a rusher? I mean, you look at it, he's bigger than Aziz Adjilari. You know, like he has defensive end size. He's got huge hands. He has 11-inch hands. Huge hands. He can get after the quarterback. Uh, As a blitzer, I do think that, you know, whatever you're going to do with him, you're not going to take that out of his game because that's what he part of what he does best. So it almost I think we're back to that Bruce Irvin yep. Leo role right. that Seattle right. used to really, really, have back really then. like almost that. Yeah, it's like they can bump down, they Sam on base downs, and they get else, and he puts his hand in the dirt on passing downs, or they walk him off and put him in the flat or anything like that. No, that makes a lot of sense. Like, might as well use it. You got it. And they, they love that versatility. They love all their front seven guys to be able to pass rush. So obviously, uh, the, that was the first linebacker off the board. Zayvon Collins went to Arizona, Dane. That's a pairing that had been talked about ad nauseum over oh the last God, few right? days. It was one of yeah. the worst kept secrets in the draft. How do you feel like Collins fits with what the Cardinals were defensively last year under Vance Joseph and what they'd want to be this year after adding all the pass rushers they did in the offseason? Man. Cardinals love their hybrid defenders, don't they? They I really mean, do, man. I got a type. It's great. But, uh, I mean, it's interesting that he w- was up at 270 pounds uh, at his medical weigh-in. And, you know, that that kind of tells me that the Cardinals told him, hey, we're going to use you as a front seven defender that's going to get after the quarterback. And, you know, I, I don't know the, how much athleticism he's sacrificing at that type of weight. But, you know, they lose Hassan Reddick and all that sack production that he had. I think we're going to see him being an upfield player. And, you know, that when you look at that size and that athleticism, I, I think it makes sense for how Arizona plans to use him. It's, well, obviously, it's, it's comical how big he looks. He, it's, it's, I, I, I was watching it's the Tulsa film today. It's hilarious. It's, I, I yeah. said he looks like a kid in peewee that has to wear the stripe on his helmet because he can't run yeah, the ball. He's, he's a double, he's he's so a double striper. Yeah. <laughs> so, but and you look at it and he's a really strong blitzer and that's what they lived in yes. last year. And I'm curious with adding Watt and getting Chandler Jones back, do they feel like they need to do that as much? Maybe the answer is yes. Yeah. If they get a guy like Saban Collins. So Lance or Lance Dane 17, the Raiders just picked Alex Leatherwood. I would say that's one of the more wow. surprising picks of the entire draft so yeah. far in terms of value. How surprised are you that Leatherwood went over some of these other tackles and in the essentially the middle of the first round? I, I was told to put Leatherwood in my first round mock, so I snuck him in there to the Packers. Uh, <laughs> that a boy. But I didn't. I didn't. I, I, you know, I, I didn't think he'd go twenty or top twenty. Uh, that's surprising. And we know the Raiders have a need at right tackle, uh, and that's the direction they go here. That's that's a really interesting pick, Leatherwood. I think he's a little stiff in his lower body. Totally, but he yeah. has length. He he can move. He's got light feet. 
And we've seen him play at a high level the last three years, one year a guard, two years a left tackle. And, you know, we know Mike Mayock loves those high character, big school players. And I think Leatherwood fits that mold. Uh, you know, this is that, that's a little high, especially <laughs> over there. No. It's all Alabama and, Clemson and, guys. Yeah, that's John, what it John is. Gruden watched all those games. <laughs> no, but it, it makes sense, you know. And and Tom Cable's gonna always like long athletes. Totally. Like that's that's his type. He's gonna go for. It. I mean, we all like long athletes on offensive line, so that make that makes a lot of sense. And sprout and probably because what they did with their offensive line and kind of retooling it in a weird way unexpectedly. So they're probably just going, okay, we have Colt Miller on the left side. Let's get another just good piece that we can find somewhere to play. Bain, we will check back in with you after pick 20 here in a little bit. Really appreciate your time, buddy. I know you got a million things going on, so excited to talk to you a little bit later. All right, guys. Sounds good. Thanks, Dane. <sighs> wow. Man. Wow. Man. I know. No, Zayvon Collins, no, that makes sense, too. And I, I'm just like having like visions. It's like him and Isaiah Simmons. Like you couldn't get any more different athletic guys. Linebacker, uh, yeah, but it's, just different sizes, and but they're both athletes and long and big. And it's like it, if they hit on it, I mean, that – could be really, really fun. Like, I, and especially with, like we said, with JJ and, and everybody else they have up front. I mean, that's a fun front seven that they could be built, be building and like bringing that versatility, even with losing a guy like Reddick or, or, or other pieces that they have lost. So the Alex Weatherwood thing is kind of wild. I mean, you watch him play, and I think that the testing and how athletic he is doesn't always match up no, with what you see doesn't. on tape. The length Stiff is good. good Stiff is a really good Stiff way to put it. Way to so, put it. I mean, surprising when you consider that Tevin, or excuse me, Tevin Jenkins is somebody that we thought might be in play for the Raiders there. We thought might be in play for the Bears, but they just picked the best quarterback that's ever lived. So no longer need an offense tackle or have the pick <laughs> to do that. So I want to know this. This is brushes over everything doesn't it is that you get your quarterback isn't it great you've lived in a world for the last you know your entire life of all the other pieces were there you're like oh defense was always set let's let's not pretend the quarterback thing is solved yet i'm very excited about what's happening here potentially i I have watched this team (laughs) screw up in more ways than you can ever imagine yeah so dane head on waddle at six i think it makes total sense if you think about just the explosiveness that they've added to that offense i actually in conversation with you at lunch today said that Waddle and what he could be for an offense reminded me of Will, Will Fuller, Fuller, where he'd be a speedy <laughs> 1B. Yep. Now they have Jalen Waddle and Will Fuller. Yes. You pair that with Gesicki and Devontae Parker, yep. you see it. You yes. see the pieces. You see how it fits together. Also, you want to go four wide with that and get four guys out in routes. That's where two is going to be best. Correct. You let him see things. You let him be a point guard, distribute the ball. Correct. I think all of that makes sense. Talking about the Bengals at five, though. Obviously, we talked about what they needed in terms of protecting Joe Burrow. He Last year, you, know, you look at it, 4.7 hits per game while he was on the field. That's the third highest rate in the NFL. Had a 7.3% sack rate, the seventh highest in the NFL. So protection is a concern. But the Bengals go out. They sign Riley Reef in free agency. They already have Jonah Williams. They bring back... Quentin Spain, you know, obviously they and there were some injuries last year all on the offensive line. They're some guys. Xavier Sufilo. <laughs> maybe they go get interior offensive line in the second round. Which like you, but if you're looking at tackle, they had immediate answers at tackle. If you think about the way the Bengals play, I think it cuts both ways. They believe it was 25.7% of Joe Burrow snaps last year were empty. Second highest rate in the league after Jared Goff. So you're playing empty, you need really good tackles. But you also need guys to catch the ball. Correct. You have five guys on routes. And yeah. that is still, even if we wanted to have a conversation about rare talents and where you find them and everything else, receiver was a glaring need. Yes. And I, in my opinion, what Cincinnati needed to do with this pick is hit on. 
I know that sounds simplistic, but if you look at what their first round results have been over the last five years, they've been one of the worst drafting teams in the NFL. Cedric Abui in 2015, William Jackson in 2016 is a hit, not of the roster not, not anymore. Not with them anymore. John Ross in 2017, Billy Price in 2018, they just declined his fifth-year option. Yep. Jonah Williams in 2019, still a question mark. Yep. We did this exercise with Barnwell a few weeks ago, and we looked at the best and the worst drafting teams of the last five years. When you miss in the top five, it there torpedoes is. you. Quarterback is the obvious one that's going to set you back. I know it well. But even if it's not a quarterback, if you miss on that pick, it's devastating. Yes. It's devastating to the yes. overall draft picture. They just needed somebody who's going to be a piece for them. And even if you and I don't love Jamar Chase compared to what some of the other people in the pre-draft process might have thought, he still is somebody that is going to probably be a quality starter for them. I think the floor for him is relatively high. And if that's the case, if he's going to come in and just be somebody that starts for them for the next five years with Joe Burrow, it works, even if I think both you and I might have thought the value isn't necessarily there. Yeah, and but it, he does bring nice synergy with what they have. I love totally Tower Boyd. I love T Higgins. Like I, you can see it. You can you, see you it. can see it. They all. It's it's the Kyle Shanahan line. He likes his receiver room to look like a basketball starting line. Totally. And yeah, boom, right there. Okay, they just got their small forward. You know, so it's it makes a lot of sense. Small forward that plays like a power forward. <laughs> so we'll see how that goes. But it, I do like Jamar Chase. Like I, I think, and it's almost counterintuitive a little bit. Uh, you know, to like stop protect or to help out protection is by going empty because you're getting the ball out quick. It's almost like leaning into the punch with the boxer. Like you have to trust yourself a little bit and you have to have a fast trigger man like, you know, Joe Burrow is. And okay, that's where I'm saying I could see the vision there, the argument there that they're going, okay, we don't need old line. We have pieces. They're good enough. Joe Burrow draft the ball. guard in the second round. You have starters. You have starters. They've spent a ton of money in free agency on defense. Yes. That's what they've done. I mean, their, their defensive depth chart even is kind Trey. of hilarious. Yeah, they see Trey Hendrickson in it's, there. And it's all, the all free agents. Yeah, for the most part, you look at it. DJ Reader, Larry Ogunjobi, Trey Hendrickson, uh, Von Bell, Chidobia Wuzier, Trey Waynes. They're all free agents. Yeah, they've rebuilt the entire defense with money because they've drafted so poorly over the last five years. They needed to do it. But if you're going to do that on defense, you can use the high level draft capital to try to build around Joe Burrow. And again. If you look at schematically what they've been, they want to get a ton of guys out in routes because that's where Burrow's best. Now they have three legitimate yes. receiving options and Joe Mixon coming back. Yes. The Who's talent for the receiving. Yes, so absolutely. Makes tons of so you would hope that that group overall is going to be enough to give Joe Burrow a chance. That's yes. where we're at now. Give the guy a chance. And I think that that's what this collection of, te- of receivers and this collection of talent does. And one more point before we get to Lindsay here. I, th- I believe they led the league in 11 personnel usage last year. Yes, they did. You need a third receiver if you're going to do that. <laughs> yes. And I still think that you can piece receiving talent together, everything else. But I absolutely can understand an argument in that Bengals draft room. Guy played with Joe Burrow in college. We need an X receiver. We need a number one guy. Let's get that. Pair it with everything else we have. You can see the picture unfolding. I still would have taken Penesul, but I, I can understand why yeah. they did it. Hey, we didn't help your protection, but at least we got your buddy. Like, you know, it exactly. was like, you know, it was one way to like appease him, just maybe not the way we wanted to appease Joe Burrow. <laughs> All right. We're going to bring in Lindsay. Lindsay, a lot is happening. I know we wanted to stay in the NF- AFC West with you. We had a couple tackles taken by teams, you know, that are going to play the Broncos a decent amount here. The Raiders, a surprising pick 
with Alex Leatherwood at 17. Are you surprised based on where he was mocked pre-draft, everything else, that he was taken that high and they went, went with him over somebody else at that position? Well, if you know anything about me, Robert, it's that I love some sexy offensive tackles. That's right. That's right. <laughs> this is, this is my jam. So, um, <laughs> so look, yes and no is the answer to that question, right? Like, I think if you just looked at value in the consensus, consensus big boards, like um, our colleague Arif Hassan does, it would be surprising. But it's the Raiders. The Raiders do not give a you-know-what about how the rest of us rank these players and That's the value of the that goes we put them on. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, this is clearly what we know about John Gruden and Mike, and Mike Mayock and how their board is very different than our boards. Right. And, you know, I think we have a couple of years now of evidence to say that sometimes maybe the rest of us were right. <laughs> <laughs> but they, they operate differently. The Raiders have always operated differently. So if it had been, you know, maybe the Steelers or the Ravens or something who would have made that pick, we would have all been like, what that like, were we all wrong? Yeah. But the fact that it's the Raiders is like, well, it's the Raiders. That's, that's how the Raiders are going to operate. So, um, I mean, it was a position of need and, you know, maybe they thought, thought there was a big drop off at that position. Um, I do think they probably wanted to trade down there. Um, and maybe that was just the guy they really wanted. And they thought maybe they could trade back and get him at, you know, I don't know, late twenties or something. And that's the trade back options just were not, were just not available. Are you Nate? I see you making your faces. Is the Washington pick here? Uh, no, I'm laughing okay. because it's like, I, I think maybe they didn't want to trade back in the twenties because there's no guys that played in the college football playoff like, uh, in, yeah, at that area true. of the draft. So also, I think, <laughs> but Look, if no, it wasn't I, on I, basic cable, they were not <laughs> able to scout him. I don't know. Do you guys have other channels in Las Vegas? Uh, yes, I'm curious. No, do you have like do. streaming sports, options? The sports books got them all. The <laughs> yeah, it's the great. one place where you could watch Southeast Tennessee I could watch State play whoever if you wanted I, to. How do you think I know about Trey Lance? I was watching North Dakota State, you know? No, no, no. Well, I trust that you know. I trust that you know. I'm wondering <laughs> if Gruden and Mayock are able to get that info. Are they not allowed to go to the sports books? I, they're not. So maybe that's it. So... They're, 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 hey, we solved it. We solved the issue of it. <laughs> no, I was curious too because I thought the Raiders were just going to go defense. Like, I just thought that was like automatic. Hey, we need to find the best player available. Yeah, I get there's no corners or anything, but okay, this is now where some of these front seven guys make sense as far as defensive guys. So that's kind of what surprised me. It's like they they created their own problem with the offensive line. They're like, it's, hey, it's, it's get exactly what I've said about it's whack a mole. It, it, it it's whack a mole. It's you you solve one problem, yep. and when you take the financial the financial resource away from the line, you put it into the defense. Now the line is bad. Yes. Now you need to figure out a way to fix the line. It seems like every problem they solve. Another one is created, and I think that's the concern. Lindsay, anything else here from the last four or five picks that really has piqued your interest? Yeah, I mean, the Jalen Phillips pick to Miami, I don't think yep. you guys have gotten to talk about much yet. Um, I wrote a story, I guess it published yesterday, just kind of, you know, the, the medical stuff. And we talked about this, Robert, when we recorded a couple of days ago, that the medical stuff was this big question that people in the league were really, really concerned about and big questions. And Jalen Phillips is the first big kind of medical concerns guy off of the board. His his issues were he medically retired when he was at UCLA. He had um, a lot of issues his first couple of years. He had ankle stuff. He had a really severe wrist injury and he had um, concussion history. He re medically retired, spent time making music, went to community college, decided he wanted back in. Re-enrolls at the University of Miami, has an awesome season last year. I mean, he just like played his ass off his one season with the Hurricanes. Now he's going to stay in Miami. So he's one of those guys who big medical questions, um, teams couldn't fully examine him. You know, they couldn't get their independent neurologists on him, their own team orthopedists, but 
just tremendous physical upside. I mean, if they hit, I mean, if, if one, he's, his, he's in it, you know, and he realized he didn't want to quit football, you know, and I think that's pretty, (laughs) that's pretty clear at this point. Right. Um, I hope he likes Miami because he's staying there. He's staying in Miami. Like, look, who doesn't, who doesn't like Miami? Like, what, like, 24-year-old dude doesn't like living in Miami? Southern California was rough, you know? (laughs) Yeah, he's he's had it really tough. Like, he's not going... Jalen Throws is one of the like uh, one of the, kind of like the top fifty guys. You know Spencer Schultz. He's a guy. Raven for Dummies is actually his handle on Twitter. But there's some thresholds like athletic thresholds that we've talked about, Robert. But it's, you know one of them that holds up is seven point two three cone or less and nine foot nine broad jump. There's other things: thirty three inch arms, production, eight sacks, twenty two career TFL. He kind of took these thresholds and really the top guys. Jalen Phillips was the only one that met all these thresholds that lead to that. You know. There's plenty of guys that miss these and are productive players, but this guy hits all of them that are generally 100%. markers he, of that. If you're looking at the profile, he's the most talented edge in Correct. this class. Lindsay, Mac Jones to the Patriots has happened since the last time we chatted. Yeah. You know, we think it makes all the sense in the world. If you get him at 15, it's a different conversation than what happened with San Francisco at three. How do you like the fit for Mac Jones going to New England? I mean, I think you know he makes a lot of sense with a – what we know about a Josh McDaniels offense mm-hmm. kind of traditionally. Um, so I think it's, you know, the, the, the dot connecting there wasn't too difficult. The Cam Newton, Mac Jones quarterback competition and how you try to evaluate these two guys at the same time running conceivably the same offense in training camp is wild to me. Yeah. I have no idea how that's going to go. Yeah. I, I, the iron bowl no yeah, i mean that's yeah, the quarterback yeah. <laughs> yeah they got the iron bowl no but seriously you couldn't get any more different like as yeah, far so, as skill sets for quarterbacks so Nate, what do you do i mean how do they structure this it, what do you do it, it's a lot on the coaches because not only just putting in install they're going to put in the install and just go like hey these are our plays and okay we'll have these special packages but then as far as like every day when you're scripting plays it, that's where the work comes in because you have you can't waste reps you're yeah. not going to all of a sudden run these quarterback run plays and then have mac in there and just go oh shoot we just wasted a rep with mac you know so it t- it's a lot on the coaches to digest it themselves and and also so all the players all the skill guys have to be on the same page because it might be really it's more of an emphasis thing the skill guys will just go okay this is my play this is my assignment but it's really more just on the the play callers and play or uh, uh, play designers josh mcdaniels essentially to kind of deviate with that to kind of separate to church and state on these guys just go okay okay this guy we have this little package for cam he's gonna run this he's better at these types of routes max gonna be better at timing Cam's going to be better at attacking down the field, those intermediate throws where he, you know, gets his big windup going. So that is what they have to do. But it's a lot of pressure on them to do that. They can do it. I trust Josh McDaniels to handle that. But it's just funny. He's going to probably piece together, you know, some 2000, late 2010s, uh, or I'm sorry, early mid 2010s Patriots offense with last year's Patriots offense and just go, okay, uh, so this is 1A and this is 1B. And then we're going to work with that. But it's yeah, like a living organism. It's really interesting. I have two more really quick things that I want to oh, say. Yeah. So you guys have your sound off. Off, so I know you guys didn't hear this. Um, so when Mac Jones got picked, he like strutted up full Belichick, you know, that Belichick gif of like, yeah. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. he had that full energy, got up to Roger Goodell and like whispered like this in his ear. You guys can't see me on the podcast, but he's like put his hands <laughs> next to his face and he goes, this is what I wanted. Don't tell anybody. And it, really? all of the cameras picked it up. So yeah, oh, I awesome. like rewound it. I turned it up. I videoed it. Um, so, you know, Belichick's Belichick saving thing. I mean, it's like it, the it's, connection. It makes just too much sense. Too much sense. 
but it was but, not the Patriots way. So he will never be whispering, <laughs> letting any, any secrets out again. Um, and the only, the one other thing before I go at some point, Nate, since you keep talking about wingspan, I really want to see it. I know oh, we've got our, the live string because we go right here. it's too big. It's not even fitting in the frame. There we go. You're just built like Kyle Pitts. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know. listened to your pod a couple weeks ago it. when we, we talked it. about your freakish It's why I wear armor. stripes. You know, it's just like, so you, it accentuates it. So it looks 35 inches here. So we're good. <laughs> okay, good. Well, I'm glad the live stream viewers have been able to see that even if it <laughs> right. won't carry through onto the pod. But Hope we'll catch sure, up with yeah. you guys uh, later. Let's see what other weird stuff is going to happen. Wonderful. Thanks, Lindsay. Thanks, Lindsay. I want to talk about the Jalen Phillips pick here briefly. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you look at what this draft was and what the last couple of years have been for Miami. Just the picks they've had in the top 50 over the last two years. Obviously, last year, you have two at five, Austin Jackson at 18, Noeg Benogamy at 30. Wondering how that's going, by the way, after they signed Justin Coleman in free agency. Yeah. Probably not the best. I, I think they swung a miss on indication that Indication on that. <laughs> Robert Hunt at 39. It all reports saying that Robert Hunt likely going to move to guard okay. now with Eric Flowers being traded. Makes sense. So, you know, just pieces. Premium position stuff. Yes. Always. Yes. They're invested. Yes. I'm fine. Even if they miss, they're at least swinging at the right spot. So, and then obviously in this draft, you have six. You go get Jalen Waddle, premium position. At 18, they go with Jalen Phillips. Yep. Makes sense if you look at positional need. Obviously, they let go of Shaq Lawson, I believe. Uh, Kyle Van Noy is no longer there. Correct. So some of the signings that they've made, they've moved on from, that was a whole. My question was, if you look at the history of the Belichick trade, not a lot of value in pass rushers. And they drafted Chandler Jones in the first round. But other than that, not a lot of spending on it mm-hmm. in New England. They've wavered from it some in other places. Obviously, Trey Flowers going yep. to uh, the Lions on that type of contract. And the Dolphins spent up on Van Noy and Lawson. Yep. So I'm wondering if they're deviating that from a little bit and they t- take Jalen Phillips who fills a need for them. And again, I think is the most talented yes. pass rusher in this class. If you're comfortable with some of the questions, it's a dearth. <laughs> is that the right yeah. word? A doldrum a whatever you want to use a, a nader of, of just edge rushing talent in this draft, especially in the top 50 picks. And so it's, it's, you got a, essentially a top five talent if he was healthy and all that, if, 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 and that's the thing is so his three, his biggest comparables on mock draftable, Jalen Phillips gains, Adams, Jadevian Clowney, Deion Jordan, Marcus Davenport are like yeah. six of them. And all like, guys drafted in like the top five. And, to and the thing, like the difference between like, I, Dolphins fans probably hear Deion Jordan. They go, uh, well, a, Deion Jordan is a very talented person. That's what I was going to yeah. say. Physically talented what person. The thing is, is Jalen Phillips can, play yes. <laughs> like he yes. actually is a football player and that's why he was the number one recruit in the country i mean it's like obviously that's how glaring his talent is um it's just i think it makes sense to them they are in a position to take these types of risks this is why you accumulate picks yes it's not to say oh yeah we got 100 first rounders all this it's to take chances you know that's a coin flip with all these picks or less you know that you're going to hit on some of these guys all right we have a there's we have nobody else we, we have a second round pick and there's not really anybody edge wise that we really think are a difference maker at a premium position. All right, let's take a chance on a top five pick. We have the, we have the risk or a risk availability to do so. It makes a lot of sense. And that's the thing is like, yeah, they might be have missed on a couple of these guys, but at least they're investing in the right positions. It's almost funny. It's because I would prefer to take Phillips early and then waddle in the teens. You know, yeah, like, yes, you flip kinda, it. But if that you come away with, it, it just makes sense. You're okay with it. It makes right. sense. Excited to welcome Dane back on here because there's a pick. I really want to ask him about Dane. Jamin Davis, I don't even know how to pronounce it. Jamin Davis from Kentucky, the linebacker. There had been some buzz about him sneaking into the first round. I know Daniel Jeremiah loved him. Going to Washington, where linebacker was in need, if you looked at the depth chart, what do you think about that fit with Jamin Davis going to Washington? 
Yeah, we knew it was going to be a linebacker. We just, you know, would it be a Wusu Koromoa? Uh, would it be Jamin Davis? And I, I, the, the Darius Leonard comparisons uh, for Jamin Davis fits, you know, a, a long athlete, uh, a, a guy that I, I wasn't wowed by the instincts, but I think his reaction to movement was really, really good. And uh, only a one-year starter, uh, so you feel like he's going to get better and better in that department just in terms of his keys and, and reading pre-snap. But I, I think he's a big athlete who's long and can run. And yeah, that's the appeal with him. And it's just Washington, another front seven defender. It seemed that's all they draft in the first round. <laughs> hey, and especially with Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, it's like they both play linebacker, so it makes sense too. <laughs> Washington, tons of zone last year, tons. And we talked about this in relation to what the Panthers might do, pivoting, going to J.C. Horn. Maybe we see more man from Washington this year after going to get William Jackson. But when you watch Davis as a zone dropper and just how his eyes are and coverage, everything else, do you think he would fit a zone-heavy defense if Washington continues to go that route this year? Yeah, that, that's what he did on film. That, that's what he okay. did at Kentucky. Uh, a lot of zone dropping, a lot of feeling where the passing lanes are going to be and then meeting the ball before it got there. I think he had three picks. One, he returned 70 yards for a touchdown against Tennessee. Um, I, I think his ability to find the football, both in the run game and in the pass game, that's what vaulted him up the boards here. I, I mean, Jamin Davis, I think, had uh, the biggest ascent uh, between, say, November until now. I mean, he was looked at as maybe a top 100 guy, uh, just talking to teams in, in November around Thanksgiving. And here we are. He's a top 20 pick. And part of that is just the way he finished, the way he got better and better throughout the season. Uh, you know, his second half film, you, you could tell he was getting better and progressing with the way he was seeing the football. And I think that's that's a great point about uh, just how he fits in that defense uh, with his ability to be in the right place at the right time. That that's especially in his zone drops. I, I think that's a natural fit. What about Jalen Phillips going to Miami? You know, obviously more questions with him than I don't know, a lot of the guys in this draft. I mean, obviously yeah. the talent is undeniable, but we talk about the medical, and I think there are some other things that teams were looking into and curious about. How do you think that fit works, and and what do you think this says about the due diligence that the Dolphins did about Jalen Phillips during this process? We knew that Miami is probably going to go past rusher. Um, it just were they comfortable with Jalen Phillips, and that that was really the question with all these teams. Uh, what was the comfort level there? Um, you know, he medically retires at one point, and that was just the tip of the iceberg with some of these other injuries that he has. But he starts ten games this past year for Miami, and he played at a high level. And I tell you, if you squint, you know, I mean, you can see shades of Nick Bosa with the way he plays because his he hands, has a plan. His hands are really yeah. nice. But that's, yeah. that's it. He he understands what he's doing. He he can you know. There's a rush sequence there. Uh, totally. th- there's yep. a rush plan, and he can win with power. You see powerful swipes. You see uh, just with the way he can set up his moves. Uh, you know, he can play the run. So I think based on talent, based on the tape, you think this is a top ten to twelve player in the draft. Now there's a little bit of a discount sticker on him because of the medical questions, because uh, some of the off-field stuff. But Miami, uh, in, a, in a year that's strange like this, where you have limited inter- interactions with these players, they must have felt pretty good about uh, what, what type of player they were getting. And obviously in their backyard playing uh, for the Hurricanes. So you know maybe they had some, uh, some, some good intel there in their backyard. I also think that it kind of speaks to the timeline that this team wants to be on, because if you look at him and you talking about him having a pass rush plan that sticks out in a good way in most drafts, it is so apparent in this draft because it's such a contrast to the other guys at that position. So if you're Miami and you're thinking we want to win, like we've been doing this rebuild thing, we want to win. He seems like the guy that potentially 
could give you the most early among this entire pass rushing group. Yeah, I think he's the most NFL ready of these pass rushers. And he's a guy that you're going to plug in from day one and look to get production out of him. Uh, you know, I, I think when you look at it, you know, Quiddy Pay, uh, Aziz Ajaleri, uh, none of these, I mean, all these pass rushers have questions. And Jalen Phillips, if the, only, if the main questions are medical and off the field, and if you're comfortable with those, then yeah, I can understand. I know, you know, the Vikings were considering him at 14. Uh, you know, the Dolphins, uh, they were looking at running back or defensive end here. They felt comfortable with Phillips. And so I can understand why they went that direction. So 21, speaking of pass rushers here, Colts go with Quiddy Pay, a guy who my understanding is character wise, very high character marks and is all traits all the time. Sounds like a Chris Bauer pick to me, uh, Dave right? Brugler. <laughs> and he played in the Big Ten, like all these things. <laughs> yeah, it checks a lot of boxes. That's for sure. Uh, a player who... I. I don't know. When you watch him play, I, I felt like they just did him a disservice with the way they lined him up because he's sure. lining up head up over the tackle. Yeah. Uh, you know, they just didn't let him pin his ears back and go a lot. And for a guy with how, how twitchy he is, a little surprising. Um, so I, I feel like, you know, he had the production is not going to blow you away, but I think there's more to him than just, you know, the w- w- what the stat line says. I think he plays the run really well. Um, you know, he's a guy you're, you're not going to take off the field. He's, he's a three down player. Um, and, you know, we know this team needs left tackle. They need a pass rusher. And I, I felt like, you know, this is probably too early for a left tackle uh, for uh, for the for the Colts. But uh, with Quiddy Pay still on the board, I thought Quiddy Pay could go as high as, you know, 11. We thought maybe the Giants, maybe the Vikings, yeah. maybe the, the Dolphins. And so I think the, the Colts are pretty happy to see him here. It, it, it makes sense. It's such a great point about him pinning his ears back because that Don Brown defense is so attacking and moving and slanting and all that. So it's like you don't see the traditional just pass rush. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do, but you don't. And so that that's such a great point to bring up because like we even took a glance at him right before we started the show. And it's like you just see it's like you only get a handful of those true pass rush snaps, even though there is more movement in the NFL. This is an extreme amount of level. I mean, we're even watching the clips right now, and you can just see the pressures coming and all that types of things. But it's great to have. I, I mean, mean, when you look you at the that. types of pass rushers that Chris Ballard has chased over the last couple of years, Bonagoo, it hasn't worked out all the time, but it's traits, traits, traits. Yeah. That's what he's after. And I believe Quiddy Pay was at the top of Bruce Feldman's freak list for a couple of years, right? I mean, this is something that if you're betting on traits, this is the type of guy that you'd want to bet Absolutely. on. Dane, is there anybody that's still on the board that is surprising you? Anybody that you just feel like, man, I just didn't think he'd last this long. Uh, Christian Darrisaw, maybe, um, you know, yeah, kind of resetting the board. I'm a little surprised we saw Kadarius Tony go above Elijah Moore. Yeah. Um, that, that was, that's a little surprising. You know, the giants missed out on Devontae Smith at 11. So they trade back and take, I guess the next best receiver on their board, which is Kadarius Tony. So that that's interesting. Um, kind of let's look at the board, Greg Newsom, a little surprised. He's still around. I don't think he's gonna have to wait very long to see, uh, his name come off the board here. Uh, but, you know, we've got a couple interesting picks here with uh, yeah, Tennessee at 22. Good, they could, we could see them go corner. Uh, 23 with, uh, with the Vikings, right, because they traded back. Uh, and, and then 24th the Steelers. So uh, is Steelers going to go Najee Harris here? I, I would think it's a, that is a miscalculation, in my opinion, when you Let's, consider some of the other holes they have, what their running game looked like schematically last year, some of the offensive line questions. I said this. I think they're drafting a, a running back to fix the woes for the Steelers on the ground is putting the car before the horse. Yeah. Historically bad run game, and it wasn't all just about the running back. Correct. So, if you look great. at it, it was one of those things where I think it's so interesting when you watch a team – 
where you can see the run as a priority and the way they teach in the mindset, everything else. Yes. When you watch that Steelers team last year, it's not there. It's just not there. Even the, some of the guys on the roster were the same yes. as they were even a couple of years ago with Munchak. But you can just tell that is a finesse offense in the way they teach it, in the way they present yep. it, in the way they prioritize it. And Najee Harris is not going to solve that problem, Dan. Correct. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I, I think this is where we're in uh, Landon Dickerson territory. You know, we know the Steelers need to get better at center. Uh, Dickerson could do that. Uh, another guy, just like Jalen Phillips, where the medicals are going to play a heavy part in this. Caleb Farley, same type of deal. Uh, Talent-wise, he should be off the board already. But when you factor in the medicals, where's Caleb Farley going to fall? So this is the point of the draft where I, we're going to get some surprising picks. And yeah. I don't, Like I said, I don't think the top 10, there wasn't much that was very surprising. A few surprises so far, but I think we're going to get a few more surprises that maybe we didn't see coming here in the final few picks of the first round. Awesome. Dane, we'll check back in with you a little bit, but I really appreciate it. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Dane. No, that, that's such a great point, even with the Steelers. It's not we, – we want the idealized version of that offense is the Le'Veon Bell, the, the killer bees, Big Ben, Le'Veon Bell, Antonio Brown on the outside. It is just straight-up RPOs now. I know they're changing. Matt Canada is, is not an offense play caller and everything, but it was just straight RPOs. And then Big Ben wanted to be this, you know, Magic Johnson, you know, point totally. guard back there. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But they needed explosive plays. You were getting them from Chase Claypool. And that was about it. And that's and that stuff was heavily designed. It wasn't in the flow of the offense, which is always my big point is that when you have to really eke out, eke out all those explosive plays, that's tough. If you go with a guy like Najee Harris, who is it's a good football player, but he doesn't create those explosives. And that's what they need. I just think... You're and looking in the wrong ways. You're looking in the wrong places. I agree. And I, I, agree. I talked to David Bakhtiari about this once. It was in year one under Lafleur, and we were just talking about that idea of how you teach and how the offense is presented to you. And he, we were talking about this under McCarthy when they were running the ball thirty percent of the time. Yeah, it's hard to be good at running the ball when you don't do whatever, and it's clear to you from the first day of training camp that they don't give a shit about yeah. it. When yes. it's not a priority, it reminds me of D'Antoni not coaching defense. Like that's the comparison Seriously. that yeah. I would make. Yeah. It's hard to care about it if the guys tasked with presenting the ideas to you don't care about it. Yep. And I think that when you look at a team like Pittsburgh, even a team like Buffalo, I think is somewhat to that. Buffalo's running game last year was not very good. No. I don't think it's because their running backs weren't good. No. I think it's because they're in 10 personnel. <laughs> they're in 10 personnel. And that's not what they prioritize. Correct. The offense is clearly not built around that. And Matt Fairburn, who covers the bills for us, we, we were talking about this. I think Dable would even concede that to you. Oh yeah. That they looked at the first down as a passing down for us. Yes. So if that's not what you're going to stack up in terms of how you teach and how you build your priorities on offense, it's hard to be a good running game. One running back is not going to fix that. They had a playoff game or a late season game. I'm blanking on which one, but they threw the ball like 25 straight times. It was the Ravens game. Yeah, the Ravens game yeah. in the playoffs. And it was shit weather. I mean, obviously, you know, Bill's weather and everything. And it's just one of those things where it's like, they're fine doing that. Empty 10 personnel is their running game. Yeah, and, and that's, exactly. It's and, Josh Allen go do something. That's, you, that's the run game. And if you want to have a better running game, that's you probably should. You probably should prioritize a little bit more. I think Devin Singletary and Zach Moss with some reshuffling of how you build and teach. Yes. You could probably accomplish that. Absolutely. So I want to talk about Kadarius Tony here for a second. I cannot believe that the Giants picked a receiver. I know that they like Devontae Smith or whatever yeah. else it is. If you look at some of the numbers from last year about Daniel Jones, okay? Pressure numbers in 2020. 
30.3% pressure rate among qualified quarterbacks. Number one in the NFL. Number one. It's not even, it's not even number like, one. It's yes. It's not as though, oh, you know, they don't protect one him third enough of the time. and everything else. Almost a third of the time, according to pro football reference, 45 sacks last year, which is fourth in the league. I know this is among quarterbacks with at least 350 attempts. By okay. the way. I know that sacks are a quarterback stat to a certain degree, but if you have a quarterback that's going to hold on to the ball yes. and you know that, I think that drafting another shifty after the catch undersized receiver to go with it. Do they really need another guy here no. to catch the ball for them after the way they've spent their money and the way that they have <laughs> allocated these resources? And who, yeah. And who they have at receiver too. is just like, yeah, I, I know when I get it. You know, Ross is a speed guy and everything, but then, so Tony too is my issue with him is he takes forever on his routes because he, he, he ad libs his routes. He, he, in his head, he is an athlete. He is a football player. So he's like, I got to get open. So I got to do it by any means necessary. I'm going to, I'm going to break off this linebacker. I'm one-on-one on, but really it's like, no, you have to get to the spot right now. But the thing is that could be, that's playing with fire. You have a guy that takes too long in his routes and a guy that is willing to hold <laughs> on to the ball. Uh, that might be, <laughs> might be uh, some hard hits coming, but you know, Tony is an exciting player and, and I get that. And there is some synergy with, with Galladay and Slayton, but not as much as I would prefer really. Um, like, yeah, I don't know. I thought Tony's fit would be with somebody else. You know, if somebody were to take a chance on them, on it's, surpri- the it's surprising. Very surprising. I, Very just, surprising. I just think that if we're, if you're the Giants, I think your obligation in this moment is to get everything you can out of Daniel Jones. Yeah. I don't think a player like Kadarius Tony. Yeah. Is a move a serves that. Yeah. I, I don't think it serves that pursuit. He's a cherry on top. Yes. That's and they, I, I and I still think if you look at the offensive line and you know who knows they drafted Matt Pert in the third round last year. What's going to happen with Nate Solder? I I think there's still so many questions there, and, and maybe they didn't have anyone they liked along the offensive line there. But receiver, just I don't think yep. I would make that one of the biggest priorities with this team it, right now. It's so funny. My friend who's a Giants fan sent me a tweet because I, I had to do a mock draft for Bleacher Report. And I had the Giants pick and I actually, I think I had him go corner and, you know, I got razzed by it, by, by Giants fans. They're like, we're not going corner. We decided Dory Jackson. I'm like, no, no, you still need a corner. But the, it's always, it's always good when you can spend $13 million yeah. on a cornerback and still need one. Yeah. But uh, so my, my Giants buddy, you know, he sends me, he sends me a tweet and it was basically someone breaking down the, the hints that Gettleman drops in, in his end of year meetings. And it's hilarious. And what that tweet said was, oh, you know, we're so, you know, we're really going to look to upgrade the playmaker positions. And it was just like, well, you got Saquon Barkley. And okay, so that means they're drafting a receiver. And sure enough, here we are two months later after I got that tweet, which was like a, two months ago. There it is. They drafted a receiver. Devontae Smith, I was willing to like be like, okay, I'm fine with that. I get it. They got their, the Eagles swooped up right in front of them. Get that. Still, just weird. I, I just think the Tony mi- ma- match there is just not preferred. Especially, I, I actually feel bad for Tony because I thought he would, if he went with an offense, I already had other weapons where he doesn't. And this does have other weapons where where they had a, a quarterback that can get the ball in his hands consistently and a system that's very sound and and something that you're like, oh, that's a good offense. Now it's scary, like the Saints or something like that. That made a lot of sense. But yeah, this is just kind of it's hodgepodge and it just feels weird. It's like you're just drafting fantasy players. It felt like so Caleb Farley. Just goes off the board at 22 to Tennessee. Talented player. Makes man. sense to me. It does. Because obviously, glaring need at corner. This is a team that I want to say was number one in the NFL in cap spending on the secondary last season. Yep. And has had one of the worst defenses in the NFL. So obviously, there's some shuffling. Yep. They kind of tweak everything and almost flip it. They spend some money in the front seven. Nico Autry, you go get Bud Dupree, mm-hmm. try to beep up the pass rush a little bit. Still Jeffrey Simmons in there. Now, holes on the back end. Farley 
fits a need for them and also fits a timeline. Yes. I think he was, if you're worried about the back and you're worried about how long he's going to be able to stay healthy and everything else, Tennessee, look at what they've done with Tannehill. Look at what they've done with everything else. Yep. The window is now, baby. Yep. You need to fix that defense right now if you want to continue to compete. And if Farley can be a plus-plus corner for you for the next couple of years, that is what they need. And they they showed a willingness to take maybe a supremely talented player that has injury issues. They they took Jeffrey Simmons, yeah, and which yep. has worked out. Trust me, that guy is about to take a whole nother leap. I think this next year, but it's they're willing to do it. They're they're that's where they're trying to find value in these twenties picks because it's either you see something someone else doesn't, you find a guy that you know because this is what becomes the eye of the beholder range. Usually, there's ten to fifteen true blue chip guys in a draft, and then after once you get into the late lottery. Then it's like, okay, this is where scouting comes in. This is where fit comes in. This is where we have to be on the same page. We have to have a plan. We have to see something someone else doesn't see. And this is where you take the risk on a, maybe a character guy or a medical guy. And this looks like, you know, they, they're hoping to get a legit elite corner, but getting them in the 20s. And that, that I get it. I get it. It's worth the risk, especially where they are now. Because like you said, they're pretty much in a win now mode. And especially with their offenses, Derrick Henry can't keep pounding the rock for years and years to come like that. It's going to happen. He's going to hit a wall at some point, as much as I love Derrick Henry and, and Ryan Tannehill is older, but it's like, okay, they, they're going for a top five talent and they're trying to get him in the twenties. It makes sense. You watch Farley. He is that talent. Oh, he's I mean, so it is. There, there are no questions about him in my mind. From a ability standpoint. Yes. I mean, it, I think that when you watch him in press, this is getting a little bit granular. When you watch him in press, he doesn't use his hands very much. I'm wondering if that's a coaching point, Might be, yeah. things like that. Because, But it's also, if you can mirror a guy without touching him and still be in his hip pocket, yep. that's more impressive to me than mugging guys at the college level like J.C. Horn does. Yes, yes. And they're basically just dominating. Like there are two weight classes above him. Exactly. Just like, exactly. Like big brothering them. Yeah, and that's that's actually some of the concerns I have with Jamar Chase going on the other side of the ball. Absolutely. Is, yes. Yeah, he's able to dominate college cornerbacks and we get it everyone goes oh he's playing sec corner i'm sorry i'm like slandering jamar chase here but it's uh you know he's going against uh, nfl corners every week it's like no 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 those are still college corners yes they're, they're nfl corners when they also, become nfl wasn't corners throwing patrick certain around no no, by no. The way. it was just he was winning at the pre- at the line he, okay he did yeah. some stuff to trayvon Diggs, who is not built on physicality correct so That's i not- i mean we could talk about this <laughs> i know it's if you Trayvon Diggs did not dominate pro competition yep. in the moment he walked into the league Correct. last year. So Correct. I understand that Alabama game from 2019 is very impressive, yep. but I think there, there are still legitimate concerns. I'm so glad you managed to shoehorn a Jamar Chase isn't going to be able to play bully ball criticism here into Love a conversation it. that had absolutely nothing to do the, the Tony with Jamar talk, Chase. The Tony talk got me going. I was like, yeah, yeah, let's thrive on this negativity. No, and and that's what it's just we just have to always remember with that is that those are it's college and some of these guys yeah you want to see them dominate trust me we want to see them dominate it's just like can they get away with that at the next level totally. or they have the athleticism or skill set where you're like well they're gonna add nuance and then you know they have a change up because sometimes you, these guys it's like drafting a six foot power pitcher with a hundred yeah. 101 mile hour fastball it's like okay now we gotta work on a change up with them <laughs> can because he, he might get hurt you know that might Tim not hold up go. yeah Yep, exactly. And it's like, okay, we can get Tim Linscum. Are we going to get like awesome years? And then he's going to get figured out. He's going to get hurt. That's the concern that you have with those types of guys that maybe only thrive in like a bullying way or just dominating that set on the outside. If you those offensive linemen we're talking about, we're like, yeah, that's awesome. Like, keep bullying them. But when you get on the outside into more the quote unquote skill positions, that's kind of can be concerning. So pick 23, the yep. Vikings get Christian Darasaw from Virginia Tech. 
based on pre pre-draft evaluations are always yeah. It's I, I I always have to remind myself. It's like, well, that's great value. It's like, calm no. down. That, who according to who? Yeah, exactly. Who is great value. But but this is a guy that people thought might be a target for a team like the Chargers at yes. thirteen, yep. and the Vikings were at fourteen. Now to trade back and potentially get a guy Still you could him. have there, that's what you like. I when I watched Derisaw. I saw an easy mover, yep. a guy that, in my opinion, talented, really, really good zone blocking. Yep. So, uh, on the backside of zone concepts, I loved what I saw from him. Body control, leverage, ability to just cut guys off. Guess where he's going? Uh, yep. Kubiak. <laughs> there we go. So so, so is, that means Urza Cleveland and all that. It's like now that becomes like a whole thing too, right? On the, on the left side, because they're probably going to keep him there. on the left side. Like it's, how's that? It's, it's what we talk about with offensive lines all the time. Some of their parts. You, you move <laughs> it down a notch. Yeah. If you can, if, if you you're if one spot and then you, it can be a force multiplier where you get better. And your other second spots. best lineman becomes, it's, it's like a starting pitchers. It's like also my second best starter becomes my third best starter. Yeah. That's winning football right there. And it's, that's, that's the piece. When a lot of these guys are the right tackle, you're like, Oh, he's a good right tackle, but he's our second best lineman. Oof. We're not in a good way. But if all of a sudden that right tackle is our fourth best lineman, it's like, yeah, we're, we're sitting pretty. That's what they're doing. You're investing in a position, another premium position. But like you said, I don't know what the trade was, but the fact that they traded back probably got some more draft capital. They can do other things. Rick Spielman loves him a trade back. Oh, baby. boy. Loves yeah, him does. a trade back. Oh, my God. But it it fits a need. It absolutely does. And if you look at it now, you have Darisaw at one tackle, theoretically. Yep. You have Brian O'Neill at another. Yep. You have Cleveland on the inside. Yep. See what happens with Garrett Bradbury now in year three. You can see it coming together. Yep. It's, it's it makes sense. It's, it makes sense. Yes. It is a similar conversation that we've had for a long, long time about the Vikings. What is the ceiling? Where does this group go? Where yep. can this group go? But if you think about it purely from a personnel perspective, it does track. Yes. The one thing that a lot of people had mocked a pass rusher to the Vikings in the first round, I think that makes sense. If you look at it, I thought this number was really interesting. If you look at the sack totals under Mike Zimmer. During his tenure in Minnesota, it's been top 10 forever. You know, yep. They were 10th. They were 9th and 14, 8th and 15, 5th and 16. They've dropped 17th and 17, but then 3rd and 5th and 18th and 19th. Last year, 28th. Yeah. The thing, though, you get Daniel Hunter back. Yes. Are you, That's they, the big piece. <laughs> how much faith do you have in the players already on the roster to solve that problem? Is pass rusher a priority to them in the same way it might? be on the outside looking in. Clearly, they thought offensive tackle was a bigger need for them yep. right now. That's the direction that they went. And also, they, you know, just knowing how this kind of draft breaks down and everything, it's they might be able to find that interior line because they have to add to the front seven. We said, what is their biggest question mark going into this offseason? It's like, how are they going to shore up the front seven? Yeah. Probably get that in the second round. Uh, it makes it makes sense. Oh, there it is. <laughs> we'll talk about this in a sec, but of course, of course. Oh my God, it's just like, it writes itself. But, uh, but anyways, <laughs> it, it's... I, I could see it as far as a value perspective. Rick Spielman is very, I, I, I do think, intelligent in that in that way. He understands, okay, where guys are going to get slotted. He always talks about, well, we know what this is going to, we know that was a position that had more more talent. A lot of guys say that. I actually think he does know that. Yeah. Like, he's one of the guys that actually understands that. So it does make sense. And yeah, I mean, having Daniel Hunter's back, Mike Zimmer is always going to scheme up the crap of blitz packages, especially on third down. So they just need, I think they Dalvin just Tomlinson, bodies. Michael Pierce, Daniel yep. Hunter, like and Stephen Weatherly is back there yes, now. That's right. They Weatherly, can yep. make that work, and I, yep. so it makes yep. sense to me. All right, the Steelers <laughs> just picked Najee Harris at twenty-four. We had talked about it with Dane. and we had yeah. discussed this. I want I want Kent to pull up some of the Steelers' rushing stats here from twenty twenty because I think it speaks to 
where these problems might exist. We've discussed some of the mentality issues, everything else. I think one of the, it's to me, the fascinating experiment is going to be this. Okay. Alejandro Villanueva, right? Yep. Left tackle for the Steelers. Yep. Still on the street. Looks like, no. <laughs> oh, no, that's, that's Ravens. Ravens. Ravens, that's so, right. That's right. So this to me is a perfect experiment. He was not good last year in the run game. He was yep. actively bad. When you watch that run game, yes. it was ugly. It was yes. disgusting it was to watch the it running game bad. last year. It was bad. The that's- Ravens, who are run first more than any team in the NFL, are comfortable having Andre Villanueva be a plug-and-play starter for them and trading Orlando Brown, even though he was a garbage run blocker last yep. year for Pittsburgh. What does that tell you? I think I think they're valuing something different. That They're seeing something different with how he plays and what they put around it. And also... And the ba- what they're the going to ask of him. I was going to say, also the backs that they have is they didn't invest any first round backs. You know, <laughs> it's like, it's kind of one of those things. The order that, of operations here is a little off. Yeah. So if you look at the Steelers rushing stats last year, 1.9 yards before contact per attempt. Guess where that ranked in the NFL? It's got to be first. 31st. Yeah. <laughs> it's got to be 31st. way back there. So I'm very glad that they picked Najee. And I am not. Six Bama guys. I am not one of those running back in the first round is a joke things. Yeah. I wouldn't do it. I want to make that clear. I would ne- I would not I, would, I want to say never. I would not draft a running back in the first round. I do not think it is a prudent allocation of resources mm-hmm. in 2021. But if you are a team, I know it wasn't the first round, but if you were the Colts with Jonathan Taylor last year, you think we have a great line. This guy can be a home run hitter. Yeah. We can crush people with yep. this guy. Um, I could see how you get to that place even if I probably wouldn't draft a running back that high. Same deal with the Ravens last year and J.K. Dobbs. Yep. I can get it. Steelers are not that. Nope. They are not set up to have somebody succeed. They are not a running back away nope. from having this monstrous run game nope. where if you watch, if you can envision that guy in this situation, we're ripping off six yards a carry. We already saw with Taylor last year. That is not this. It is... It is the exact opposite of the order you should be thinking about. It seems these they in. talk themselves into it. And they watch that run game. They go, "Well, our linemen are studs. Well, Big Ben's operating. You know, so why, why can't we're only averaging three yards a carry? Okay, well, our backs got to get bare. And then, but it's so funny is they just got another type of back that they already have, like just a better version of it. Don't get me wrong, but the Benny Snells and the James Connors, it's just. They need speed, and it's just like they're, they're, it's an old roster. It's it's a weird roster. It's hodgepodge. Like it's just it's just that weird. team needs an injection of something. Yes, Najee Harris, in my opinion, is not that not injection. It. Not and it. I let I want to be clear about this. Under Matt Canada, maybe the the running game is better next yeah. year if it's taught differently. Yep. If there there are, I think there is a chance the running game would be better independent of Najee Harris. Yeah. that's yes. why yes. I just yes. don't think. Yes, it's just this is what they should be doing. It just I. That's, I think that Kevin Colbert deserves the benefit of the doubt. Yes. They, they've done such a good job Always. of building that team through the draft over the last 15 years mm-hmm. as he's been there. I just think this is misguided. Yeah, All right. I agree. On that note, we're going to take a short break. We'll be back shortly. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. 
apply. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. All right, we are back, and the, where I want to start here is I just want to remind you that the Bears drafted Justin <laughs> <laughs> Just one, like, 10 seconds I, ago, Robert I, sat back down. I'm into, it. I'm, into it. I'm into it. I'm enjoying what's it's happening. Great. And then every 20 or so minutes, I remember and have to remind myself again as Roger Goodell sits in a big chair, which that's... Are there M&Ms on the, on the side, too, uh, there? It's great. <laughs> I just noticed that. Every 20 minutes or so, I remember that the Bears drafted Justin Fields. It still doesn't seem real. Because this is where your pick was about to be. I not sit in it yet. Yeah. To bring me back to earth a little bit here and have, provide some actual analysis, we're going to bring in Lindsey Jones. Lindsey, Jaguars just drafted Travis Etienne with the 25th pick. Urban Meyer is a very predictable man. This yes. is a speed-obsessed person, and now there is a lot more speed on this Jags offense. Wait, first, can we acknowledge what I just put on for you, Robert? I can't. Can you see, I, so can you see me? Yo, you guys can't see me. You're just a oh. big circle of light. Oh, right now. <laughs> dang it. Oh, sorry. Well, um, I was waiting to get a reaction from you. Um, I just put on my Bears winter beanie that's been sitting oh, in a corner of my office. Now, you okay, so we've talked about uh, – if you want to have Lena be a Bears fan in the past before, now it's acceptable. <laughs> I'll give her, I'll pass this on to her. She now now it is totally in. acceptable. Her and I are in this together. So <laughs> I'm I'm very, very excited about that. Lindsay, we wanted to chat about some of the winners and losers from the draft so far. In your mind, who would you just describe or pin as the biggest winner of the draft to this point? Well, I mean, I, I think it's the Bears right now. Well, it's um, me. But so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, except me, who would you say is the biggest I mean, did you see so there? It's, there was a video, um, I think it was from NBC Sports Chicago, of that pick getting announced during the White Sox game. Oh, and, fun. Uh, oh, oh, that's fun. Your Great. people, I mean, I don't know if White Sox fans are your people, but I'll just say Chicago. We're all Chicago. Yeah. They are pumped and congratulate. I was, I was kind of texting with some friends who live in Chicago, like asking if there's fireworks, like what's, what's going on. So we're in I think Chicago the, right now. I am so excited to see what the city is like after I leave this. You're going to take your shirt off and like run down Michigan Avenue, right? I mean, don't get in, don't end up in jail or anything tonight. We'll we'll be okay. We'll be okay. Some couches on fire or something. So I think the bears, I think the bears are a big winner because look, usually if you trade up for another position, don't love it. Trade up for a quarterback, didn't have to move into the top ten. I think that makes a ton of sense. So and we've already we've seen the price now. It was not a, we I had no. to trickle, trickle a little bit afterward. They twenty twenty two first, obviously. Yeah. But I, I want to say other than that, it was something in the one sixties this year, and then a fourth round pick in twenty twenty two. It was that is acceptable. That's not bad at all, especially what like Stafford went for and everything. Yes. Like I mean, yes. Hmm. 
God, it just feels weird to say that like Ryan Pace is a winner though. I just like, and but I, <laughs> I understand that. And I think that his process has been bad a lot. And it, that is what concerns me overall in the ways they've done this. And they've lost staring contests so many different times, not even just related to the quarterback position, all the trade-ups that they've made at other positions. It's not a, the right way to go about this too often. But we've seen other GMs, and I'm already it's funny how fast I'm talking myself into this, isn't it? We've seen other GMs change the narrative about them. The guy that was building that team in Tampa was an actively bad general manager for several years, yeah. and it all turned around. I'm not saying that's what this is, but I'm I am saying that it changes pretty quickly or can change pretty quickly. Yeah. Robert just talked himself into a Ryan, Super Bowl. Oh, I, I'm ready now. Yeah. Now, okay. outside of me and Ryan Pace in the city of Chicago, any other winners in your mind? Um, I like what the Chargers did. Um, I like that they yeah. had a very clear position of need, yeah. and they got great value. Yeah. Um, with Slater there, they didn't have to go in the top 10. I think we were all kind of watching to see if they might trade with the Lions totally. to get up there. Um, they didn't have to do that. And so I think that's fantastic. I don't want you trading up for a non-quarterback basically ever. So I, I really, really like what the Chargers did. Um, University of Alabama, huge winner. <laughs> They're one player away from setting the record for the number of players in the first round, which the goes back to what we were talking about before, Nate, right? That like a lot of these teams, maybe we're only watching a couple of teams. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when you're on the national spotlight every week, it's pretty easy. But I think these are all really out. good players. I mean, yes, you guys yes. were just talking about um, Najee Harris before, you know, I, I was, I'm kind of with you where I'm like, oh, I don't know if I love it, but like it made a lot of sense and he's, it's a very Steelers pick. <laughs> I'm dying to see the Browns pick is about to come in. Um, Andrew Barry, I will see who Andrew Barry takes. Andrew Barry is a winner. He and his wife had their first baby, I believe, today, maybe oh, yesterday. It was oh, this wow. morning. So, I say. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was announced this morning, so I don't know exactly what time she right. you know took her first breath, but like, congratulations, Andrew Barry. Yeah, good um, a little girl, I believe her name is Eden. So I want to see who the Browns are because the Browns are one of those like really interesting teams that we've been talking about for a long time. I know we talked about it, Robert, a couple days ago about what direction they were going to go. Um, real quick, I'll say Jared Goff kind of a winner tonight because um, they drafted Penny Sewell to the Lions yeah, yeah. and they did not yeah. take a quarterback yet. So nobody who's going to come in and take his job immediately. Yeah. Um, awesome. And Jared Goff needed a win. <laughs> I mean, he just... The fact that they haven't drafted a quarterback yet is yeah, also no. a win for Jared Goff. Yeah. He still has his job, which if you're yeah, Jared Goff so over the last few months, that's an upside. So so I like that. Um, uh, okay. He's about Roger. Well, are we doing the... Yeah. I can't believe they made me wait like 90 oh seconds for the That Justin was Fields hilarious. Thing. Seeing Goodell having like a stack of cards to read through was just the best. That, that was like a comedy bit. Just like, oh, yeah, we're going to dot, 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 dot. I just, can't even believe that happened. <laughs> I don't care nearly as much about the Browns pick. I am. I do like the Browns. I love their offseason. I am invested in what the Browns are doing. I will say not quite as much as my team drafting its quarterback of the future. I'm slightly less invested in the Browns than I am in what just happened with the Bears earlier today. I mean, this is the, like it's taken this whole live stream has taken like such a drastic turn. I mean, right. I'm just trying to imagine how differently this night would have played out if it was, know, it was just if the so Bears I'm taken... exhausted. I can't believe I'm still sitting upright right now. I'm just going to collapse onto the floor. When we're <laughs> Have done. you already ordered like a Justin Fields jersey? Oh, like, no. That... I, that will happen oh, great in, in a second here. I like that. I wow. like it. Yeah. Like it. Love it. Like it a lot. Love it. That makes a lot right. of sense. You cemented the place of Andrew Barry on my winner's list that I will be hosting <laughs> so later I, tonight. Oh God, I love this. Yeah. All right, Lindsay, we're going to get back with you a little bit later. 
We'll do some losers when I come back. We will, we will definitely <laughs> do some losers. When I come back. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys later. See you, Lynn. Love the Greg Newsom pick. I do too. Love that, it. I, it, you can it makes all this. It. it makes all the sense. They're they're going to go they're, again. Another team's going to go with the premium positions. They they're forward thinking. They they're modern thinking. Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry, of course, they're going to go for a premium position and get a good player. So I think it's that obviously. But if you look at the way the depth chart has shaken out over yeah. the course of free agency, you go get Troy Hill. You go get John Johnson. Yep. You already have Grant Delpit coming back from last year. It's almost like adding another rookie yep. this season. He's going to be healthy. He's hundred yep. percent healthy now. You have Ronnie Harrison there. I think that allows them to have some multiplicity with their safety spots. They, they're going to play a lot of three safeties. Yep. A lot of three safeties yep. this year with those guys, I believe. Now you add Greg Newsom to a cornerback group that has Troy Hill and Denzel Ward. Greedy Williams, I think, in their minds was always a bonus. Yeah. Whatever they were going to get from him this year was a bonus. Yeah. Now, proof with a Greg yeah. Newsom pick. And beyond, so, and then you look at the front seven, they add Clowney. It doesn't make a pass rusher as demanding of a need. And a lot of the pass rushers come off the board already. Yes. Guys that maybe they might have considered at this spot. The front four for right now, you got enough bodies to make that work. Yep. Lee Jackson, Clowney, everything else. With Newsom, though, it's beyond just what they need in the depth chart. Skill set wise, it's perfect. Yeah. You know who he reminds me of? Troy Hill. It's really yeah. funny because when you watch Newsom, Really, really good feel in zone coverage. Yes. Really good feet, good awareness. I just think that... Willing to come up. That's exactly right. And if you're going to play, I think that at their core, they are that Seattle cover three type team. Even though I do think the variation, we're going to see... They had to get through it without being able to do it. We're going to see some of the stuff that we saw from Staley and the too high and everything else, but it's going to be zone based. And I think this is a guy, smart, awareness, everything else. To me, it's a perfect fit for it what makes all the sense. Be. And what you said too, you brought up Greedy Williams. It, it's just like the offensive line. It, it's where you just invest into this position. You get bodies, good bodies, and then all of a sudden, the guy that's your number three is your number four. Yeah, like, and yes, you're, you're exactly. Say, say the Browns. Same ha- thing with Ronnie Harrison not having to start in, in two yes. safety sets now. It's the exact same thing. Say, say the Browns play the Bills now. Hey, they can line up against ten personnel and they're fine. Hey, they play the Dolphins. Those are all AFC teams. They play the Chiefs. Hey, we can line up with your fast guys because we have bodies and injuries are going to happen. These guys get hurt. It's just, it is what it is. Now you you can go through games where you're just like, hey, guess what? This guy can get us through it. We have spot starters at corner. That is what, if you hit on these guys, it's like you have a position of corner and it's a strength that is so rare to have in the NFL. I love, I love what the Browns have done. Yeah, it's, of course. It's, so it's you like, look at, you look at the offense, the offense is set. They knew that coming into the offseason. It's like, we're good. We did that last year. We we, We addressed it last year. We're good. We don't need to address this. They were going to go defense, defense, defense with all of their resources. And if you look at the ways they added on defense, it is perfectly aligned with modern football in terms of resource allocation and scheme. You need depth, depth, depth in the back seven. Don't spend on linebackers. They signed Anthony Walker and that's that's it. And variation up front. Yep. Give me chaos creators. Give me guys that can play a multitude of positions. I think they could absolutely draft another pass rusher yep. in this draft. Then if you have a guy that's just part of your rotation, yep. your your nickel packages are Jadevian Clowney yes. and Malik Jackson inside. You have uh, with Miles Garrett on the outside. Yes. You have whoever this is. It, I think bringing in a huge rotation of guys, having everybody pay 65% of the snaps, yep. keep Clowney healthy maybe. Keep him fresh. 
that's what they're doing. I yeah. I really love it. Yep, <laughs> it makes all the it's, sense. You know why? It's because how it's how I would do it. Yeah, and it, also that, it, that's it's that's exactly why. Like a guy like Clowney makes so much more sense there than he did in Tennessee. In Tennessee, or, he's the number or, one guy now, correct. he's the number three guy. Yes, and he's a super number and three. You're it's, getting paid, he's getting paid like a number three. Oh, guy. I know. And then people are like squinting at that contract. It's like, uh, why? Like, you know, that's what you one one year, yeah, one million? year, yeah. I'm like that fine shit on with fire. That. Yeah, exactly. How many guys just like? Yeah, exactly. You just burn through it. There's so many shitty signings that a guy just burned 12 million or 8 million guaranteed. No, but that's the thing is you're bumping these guys down to more manageable positions. It's just good team building. It, it's now you got Clowney who, yeah, now he's a super number three. Now he only, he only has to play snaps that are good for him where he doesn't have to. roles that are good for him. My yes. favorite thing I've ever seen from him is when he was the spinner, spinner on the Texans. Texans teams yep. and you could put him over the guard and let him wreak havoc. And that's exactly just what you could possibly whack do the here. guard and open up a huge hole like the size of the Red Sea. And then now you're going to have Miles Garrett it. looping around. <laughs> you're going to have all these guys up front looping around. No, it just makes a lot of sense. All right, let's get to Dane. Let's bring him back in here. I have a lot of stuff that I want to go over with him. Dane, how you doing, bud? I'm pumped. Uh, good. <laughs> 12, out of, 12 out of 26 of my mock drafts. So I'm feeling good. Look at you. Add a boy. Greg, Greg Newsom, baby. How do you, so we, we've just been gushing about that. What do you like about the fit with Greg Newsom going to Cleveland? I, this is a great example of when value meets need meets traits. When it, This is exactly 100%. what the Browns yep. look for. They want young players. They want productive players. They want athletic players. And I mean, that, that sounds very simplistic. Every team wants that. But specifically, that's what the Browns are looking for. And they need cornerback help. Greg Newsom made, made a lot of sense. He uh, you know, led the Big Ten in passes defended last year. Uh, a really natural player with his athleticism. He could play man, could play zone. Uh, the FBI, the football intelligence, is outstanding. Yes. Uh, the only thing you worried about, and this is why the, I, I worry he might not be a fit for the Browns, is he, he missed at least three games each of the last three years. You know, We know the Browns have dealt with Greedy Williams and the shoulder issues. Denzel Ward has missed some time. So it just that I was a little worried about that fit. Be, you know, if they were just worried that, about keeping him out on the field, but the traits and the talent I thought matched up perfectly with what the Browns were looking for. Let's stick with corners here. Caleb Farley comes off the board at twenty-two to Tennessee. It, one of the biggest question marks about the entire draft because we know the talent is there. We know that he is arguably the most talented corner among this entire group. The range he went in, the fit with Tennessee. How do you see all the pieces coming together with Farley going to the Titans? I, I think if he's healthy, if, if injuries are not a concern at all, I think he's the first defensive player drafted. Um, he, he has that type of talent. And, yeah. you know, I, I think, Nate, you mentioned it with Jeffrey uh, Simmons, uh, you know, the Titans, yeah. not afraid to take chances, big swings. I, I was really curious how Tennessee would attack this first round after the Isaiah Wilson debacle last year. It, you know, just would yeah. they be more conservative this year with that first round pick? Turns out not at all. They're not afraid to uh, take chances on, on players that they believe in. And as long as you are comfortable with the medicals, Caleb Farley has a talent is, is a plus. And so, uh, you know, I, we'll, we'll see when he's able to get on the field, when he's able to, you know, get back from that back procedure. But uh, he has just different burst, the way he moves. It's just a little bit different than most. And at that size too, yeah. man. I mean, that's the thing that just jumps out to me when you can be six, two over 200 and, not only be as smooth as he is, but just have the acceleration yep. that he has, the catch-up speed. Just a quick just, twitch that's it's, just it's so just a Slater wishes he had that arm length. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's I want to – we hit on this a little bit before they made the pick. Najee Harris going to Pittsburgh. Not only that, 
Travis Etienne going to Clemson. What do you make of that as a one-two punch at 24 and 25? Yeah, I mean, we, we knew when Najee Harris was going to happen. We, we kind of touched on that. Uh, you know, it's will the Steelers run game be better with Najee Harris? Yeah, it should be. You know, Najee Harris is a good player uh, and a guy that is going to help them in the passing game. I think he's a really natural receiver, um, mm-hmm. you know, with this Big Ben uh, small window for the Steelers to compete. I, I understand it's a very small it, window. It's open by about three inches right now. Yeah, it might be a, a window that's four games. Who knows? Yeah. Uh, but, you know, like we touched on it, the running game, there's a lot more uh, that they need to fix here besides just the running back. So uh, that'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And then with the when you look at the Jaguars, Urban Meyer has made it no seeker. He wants to be the fastest team in the NFL. And so they do that with Travis Etienne. And I feel good for Etienne. He came back for his senior year because he said he wanted to be a first-round pick. And uh, he was able to yeah. do that. I think some of the improvements that he made uh, as a blocker, as a receiver, uh, and good on Clemson, too, for giving him those opportunities to show that he could progress in those areas. And I think that's what helped him uh, be the pick here. And it's interesting. You know, James Robinson, an undrafted rookie last year, had over 1,000 yards. And uh, so they just add another horse to that backfield. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how they use both those players. Do they use ETN as more than just you know, your traditional running back? Is he going to be uh, you know, a little bit of those Percy Harvin packages? H- how are they going to use him uh, will be interesting with that uh, uh, Urban Meyer, uh, Daryl Bevel scheme. Yeah. I mean, if I'm a team that needs a running back right now, I'm on the phone. <laughs> I mean, I- I'm seeing who is what the Jaguars want for an undrafted free agent that was not picked by the current regime there. Yeah. Because even if the combination of those guys is interesting and intriguing, I still think that that's a phone call. I would 100% make. It's very telling after he had his meeting with uh, urban Meyer and, and and management there that they said, what's the biggest thing you had to prove on He goes speed. And it's like, well, I think you are what you are, James. (laughs) So, so I, and also they draft ETN. So it's like, okay, they're like, well, we can't find it here. So we're going to find it somewhere else. Dana, one last thing I wanted to ask you about here. What do you think about Darisol lasting as long as he did with Minnesota? I mean, again, it's all, all this stuff in the speculation about where guys are going to go and their pre-draft value. It's that it's speculation, but you know, Darisol was somebody that we thought might go in the top half of the first round. The Vikings trade down and still managed to get him. What do you think about getting him in that range of the draft and how he fits what Minnesota needs? Yeah, Darisol is such an easy player to like because for a big man, uh, the body control, the balance, it's just really natural. Uh, good feet. Um, it, it, the one thing that really bothered me with him, and I know this is a sticking point for a lot of coaches, is I thought he was a 90, 95% player. Uh, just you wish he was a better finisher out there. And yeah. I think that it plays bothered. off. You see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that bothered a lot of teams. It, it did. And that that's something that you know could be a reason why he he fell a little bit, but this is, he's a good player. And I think it's going to be interesting for the Vikings now, because I think that internally they would really, they wanted to move Ezra Cleveland out to tackle and get better on the interior. Now, do they keep Darisaw at left tackle and then keep Ezra Cleveland inside? Uh, I mean, either way, I think they're going to have some options and just it, a, a great fit in that offense with that scheme. And the Vikings, you know, we know they love to trade back and I think <laughs> yeah. it worked out really well for them in this, uh, this scenario. With one of those guys that when you have a player, an offensive lineman specifically, that has a lot of boxes that he checks off and there's one or two question marks, the first thing I look at, especially at that position, who's the offensive line coach he's going to? Yeah. Who is the guy yes. now that is going to be tasked with seeing if we can check off that final box? 
going to Rick Dennison, who has done this for a million years. The same scheme. In the same scheme. <laughs> yep. I think it, it, this that's different to me than going to a place where the offensive line coach has been there for a year. Yeah. It's his first job. He, he was an assistant, he was the line assistant coach. Yeah. whoever yep. for however long. Yep. I, I always pay attention to that stuff, and I do think that is a nice situation for Christian Derrissaw. Dane, we'll be back with you here as the draft wraps up, buddy. We'll really appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, guys. See ya. Uh, Nate. Yeah, there he is. Ravens drafted Rashad Bateman. I know. And it's so, it's so tough for me because as much as I love Rashad Bateman, he was my receiver too for, for anyone that's listening to our podcast this month or read the Bleacher Report. It's also, it's not a great fit. He's going to get two targets a game. (laughs) It's not a great fit for him, but it's not a great fit for him in terms of volume. But in terms of volume, but with what the Ravens need, yes. it's a perfect, perfect fit. fit with with Hollywood Brown and Mark Andrews at tight end. And it's like, OK, now it gives him. So Hollywood Brown is better intermediate vertical. We saw him in Oklahoma even now, even as a smart guy. You don't have guy. to say intermediate. He's just vertical. Yeah, vertical. But I was, I'll get, he caught a couple of dig balls. I was like, OK, OK. But he shouldn't be doing that. And that's why Rashad that's, Bateman is here. He is. Team. And I got Rashad Bateman. So now he's going to take over that short and intermediate game that they have because Mark Andrews even with his drops, is still a dynamic player, especially with all the overs and crossers. So now what you have is, while well, those concepts, when you have overs and posts, all right, who do you think is going to be on the post? Hollywood Brown. Who do you think is going to be on the over? Here comes Bateman on the other side. If you have a bunch of small, fast guys, yeah. what do what is the eye? If you're looking thinking about gravity and what yeah. they create in space, they create space. That's what fast receivers do. They have their own gravitational pull, yes. like a three-point shooter. You need to do something with that space, though. Yes. And when Mark, else Andrews, has to score. <laughs> when Mark Andrews was the only guy in there, there's no slasher there. Yes. And I think that is the concern. There yes. was no slashing option very among point. their pass catchers. And that's exactly what Rashad Bateman is. Yep. It, it, we talk about this. Can you picture it? Can you see how the pieces fit together? Does it look like a basketball team? There's a reason that people were connecting. Rashad Bateman to the Ravens because you can see it. We both love him. We were talking about him earlier today. I know we've referenced lunch a million times, but we were having lunch today. We were talking about him. And the reason that I think that he's such an exciting prospect is because when we talk about route runners, we usually talk about it that way. Like when you say somebody's nice, it's because they're not fast. <laughs> yes. When yes. a guy is a route runner and that's his best trait, yeah. oh, he's such a savvy route runner. Yeah. It's because he's not fast. Yep. That's but exactly when you right. watch Rashad Bateman play, he runs away from people. Yep. He's got more giddy up than a guy with his route running nuance often does mm-hmm. because they only survive with the route running yep. nuance. Exactly. He has so much more juice than I expected him to have when I watched him for the first time. And I think that it's a perfect fit. And this team needed something yes. in the passing game. Something. Yes. And I think that Rashad Bateman at 27 is more exciting to me than any of the free agent options you could have gotten than anything else they could have done. I like this more than Corey Davis at $15 million a year. No, I agree. And, and yeah, it's such a good point. It's also the Minnesota's offense. And it was hilarious because like Tanner Morgan, the quarterback there was getting pub as like a draftable quarterback. And I was like, if you watch this (laughs) offense and saw what they did, it's like, no, 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 no guys, come on. Cause they run so many RPOs. You know who runs a lot of RPOs? Ravens. Yeah. And, and yes. it's a lot of slants. Yes. And Rashad Bateman is a monster on slants. And that's where you're talking about the pull away speed. And that's where it's shocking sometimes. Because even looking at he has a, he had a good 10 yard and he had a really good 20 yard uh, 40 split. And it's showing the flying 40. And it shows when he catches yes. those slants. It's like, yeah, it's not that 
sexy twitch right away. But then also I was, I was like, like you said, all of a sudden he's pulling away from guys and he does it consistently. And another thing too, and this cannot be understated enough. Yeah, he's from Georgia. He played in Minnesota and crappy weather. Goes to Baltimore. He's used to it. Yeah. He's used yeah. to wind. He's used to sleep. Yeah. He's used to bad weather. And that actually matters, especially a team like the Ravens that's going to play deep into the season. You know, that that matters. And it really does, especially at the receiver position. You'll see some of these speed guys all of a sudden get into the cold weather like, Man, my hands kind of hurt. <laughs> like, like that kind of my my forearms kind of hurting right now. That that was not a lot of fun getting tackled right there. So, getting a guy that can maybe handle that and be productive in that that's just like a little another exterior thing because I'm just going to hype up Bateman and everything he can do anyway. <laughs> so, pretty big surprise here. Peyton Turner, yeah, edge rusher from Houston, yeah. goes in the first round. Our yeah. buddy Ben Solak is going to be excited. He was a big Peyton Turner was guy. Was a big Peyton Turner guy. Loves Peyton Turner. I liked Peyton Turner. When I turned on the BYU tape and you see him, the length jumps out. Yep. To me, the effort jumped out. Yep. He plays so hard, but really high cut. I don't really know if he knows what he's doing all the time. They got rid time. of Trey Hendrickson, so they need another high effort. <laughs> high cut, high effort rusher. Does he have short arms too? I actually don't even know if he has short arms. Then we have a then we have a perfect one for one like replacement right there. Figure that one out. Uh, oh man. Well, I, I don't I mean you look at what the Saints needed. I, I wouldn't say death uh I drove oh, was a complete opposite. Thing. 35-inch arms. Oh, yes, yeah, great. <laughs> that's right, that's right. That's great. Yeah, yeah, I should have been able to say that. <laughs> if you can't tell, I watch the offensive skill guys. My uh I, I front seven plays has, a little. He has great length. That's really what jumps out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You see the levers, you see the effort, but he plays super, super high. I can understand buying into the frame and the physical ability, though. This is probably not a glowing review for Marcus Davenport. Yeah. Uh, so they're his fifth-year option. They still have to make a decision on that. They traded up, up to for get him. him in the yeah. first round. Yes. I will say, even if this is going to be considered a reach by somebody, still probably a more prudent choice than trading into the top 10 to draft another defensive player because, again, doesn't always work out when no, you do that. No, exactly. So, that's why they did it. <laughs> so it makes a lot more sense. So Packers I want to go back. We've hit most of the picks as they've happened here. Something I want to touch on that we really haven't talked about yet. Atlanta at four. I was yeah. going back way, way back. Not surprising when uh, everything that we thought was going to happen with that team. If they weren't going to draft the quarterback, Kyle Pitts, and they weren't going to trade back, Kyle Pitts was the yep. option. A couple different things I want to hit. Obviously, you think about Matt Ryan and his contract and what the adjustment they made to it and the restructure that they had. Very, very hard to, for the Falcons to move on from Matt Ryan in short order. I don't think it necessarily was a vote of confidence and a sign that they were going to stick with him for the next couple of years, but I think it pointed into that direction at least a little bit. $40.5 million dead cap hit in 2022. This means Matt Ryan is going to be around. Yes. Matt Ryan is going to be the Falcons quarterback for the foreseeable future. And that's exciting because if you look at the rest of their offensive personnel, this team can be really good. Yeah. It's really fast. Arthur Smith, we both really like. Yes. We really like Arthur Smith. We think that he's a fantastic play caller. My question for you is not, does Kyle Pitts make the Falcons offense more exciting or better? That's a given. You drop him in there with Julio, which we'll see if Julio's yep. still there. Julio, Calvin Ridley. Yep. Really, that's Matt what I need Ryan, to say. And, and, <laughs> like that, it's going to be fun. Are you a little bit worried at the way we saw Arthur Smith use his tight ends in Tennessee? And if that might put a cap on a guy like Kyle Pitts' value. Because when you're doing a lot of play action, your tight ends are going to be in part of the blocking scheme. You're going to have them. Mm -hmm. They're not going to be in all the time. I want to say that Johnny Smith last season among qualified tight ends was 34th in route percentage. And this is a guy with some receiving talent. Yes. So are you a little bit concerned that dropping Kyle Pitts into a Johnny Smith-like role 
artificially depresses what he can be as a receiver. And we haven't seen real proof of this, but I do think Arthur Smith, what we saw with that Titans offense was, hey, these guys are really good. It's what we talked about all night is, hey, these guys are really good at this thing. Hey, let's accentuate that. Yeah. Let's feed Derrick Henry, who gets better and better as he gets more touches, as he wears down a defense. We have a big physical offensive line. Let's pound the rock. Tannehill dropping back is eh, but hey, He's big, he's strong, he's willing to stay in the pocket. That's really good if, and create with his legs. That's really good on play action stuff. So it was like, I think they just cranked it up and getting into that. So now with Jonu Smith, Jonu Smith had receiving chops, but it was, it was, he was better when he got going. He's not a, a quick turner, like, uh, like where he just come out of a route and he's not going to break off a linebacker or break off a safety that's covering him. He is more of a guy that he's an explosive weapon. He, he had ton of yards after the catch the last couple of years. And they also heavily designed some stuff because he was so versatile. I think what Arthur Smith is willing to do is kind of like with the fun stuff they did with Janu and then like crank it up, just crank it up and crank it up yeah, to 12. Yeah. And I think it, we're going to see just like a little more variation because now the strength of that team is a receiving core and a quarterback that's willing to drop back. So I think some stuff that we, maybe we saw 10% of the time, we'll see now 30, 40% of the time and the stuff that was, you know, the crazy outside runs and all that, they would hide John. They do that's that they had a smart coaching staff. They would hide the guys in, in a way like John Smith is working across on slice blocks. He's not the lead point man on duo. Da, 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 da. Here's my thing though. Do you want your number four overall pick slicing across the formation no. and catching the ball no. in the flat? But I, I trust Arthur Smith enough that he's gonna like use him how he I tend to, I'm mostly yes. playing devil's advocate here. Yes, absolutely. I tend to agree with you. I think that he's the type of guy who is always searching for the next wrinkle. Correct. And you, we saw that with I think the best example is the variation in the running game we saw in Tennessee. Yep. Is yep. they folded in more power stuff. They yep. said, we can do this. Let's see how that works. I would hope that we're not going to see Kyle Pitts blocking 20% of the time yep. for this offense where I think he can be a real weapon. Let's stick in the top 10 for right now. Another guy that was considered by many people to be one of the most premium position player or premium position that it, premium players were getting deeper. Yeah, no, we're, we're in the 30s. We're hour three now. <laughs> Premium players in the draft. Penny Sewell yep. goes at seven to the Lions. You look at the Lions offensive line now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, if you're building you go, a team from scratch, okay. So you go left to right now. Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow, yep. bump Vitae into guard theoretically. Yep. Penny Sewell is your right tackle. You're pushing some people around with yep. that group. Yep. And and also, Lindsay brought it up. She said, Jared Goff's a big winner. I actually yeah. do think the Lions are. I think you saw the reaction in the war room or, or the draft room was receiver, receiver, the two picks before him. It looked like relief. Yeah. They're like, oh my God, Sewell's there. Like, I think that's generally what they're like. They're just like the whole time, just like, oh my God, please no, please no, please no. And then Sewell's there. So it's like, I just think it's smart team building. They, they got nothing. They're really in the doldrums. And that's as much as I think, oh, it, this kind of maybe not completes, but it's a nice piece for their offensive line. Look at what they're building there. That I wouldn't even think about it in those terms. You're starting over. You're starting over. You're starting yes. from step one. Yep. And if you're starting from step one, even if you think Taylor Decker is going to be there for however long, Fyta is not going to be on that team no. next year, most likely. Who knows what their offensive line is going to look like 12 months from now? So I think you just need foundational pieces. Correct. And that's the entire point of trading Matthew Stafford for multiple first round picks. Yep. It's why we thought they were going to be a candidate to trade out of the number seven yep. spot. So you have now a block of granite as your right tackle for the next however long. Yep. Him and Decker, all right, yeah. let's it's build. Fine. Let's build. I, and I'm very excited about that. I'm and, just so glad they didn't 
give in. They're like, they looked at their receiver room with my boy Quintez Cephas as their <laughs> leading returner receiver, and they didn't they get desperate and go, we need Devontae Smith there. They went, nope, nope, we're going to go building block premium position, and we're going to go inside out. But that's why I love what they did in free agency. Correct. I, know, I know it's hard to get excited about Tyrell Williams and Brashad Perriman. But those are fine. You can live They're with placeholders. That. They're placeholders. You fine. can live with yes. that. I yes. think that's exactly what you do. It's like, those guys are workable. Just, those two on the competent. outside is workable. Yes. And, I, and that's exactly what they did, and I think that it's a good place to start. I, we, I talk, we talked about this with Brandon Thorne a lot. I think Sewell was billed as this all-time offensive line prospect, and he's not necessarily yeah. that because he doesn't check every box. There are some length concerns. He there are some. He didn't do a lot of just. He's, he's a Jamar pass. Chase of tackle, he of tackle do, prospects. Yes. Kind of, yes. he's very yes. very good prospect, but has a couple Correct. things missing. If, but if you can do that seven, that's that's totally fine. That's totally fine. That's totally fine. A very good starter. And I think that there's not a lot of true pass sets in compared to other offenses. Nope. If we're talking about Mickey Mouse college offenses, the Oregon offenses. Oh my god. To the point where Justin Herbert was, oh we God. didn't know if he could play. And yeah. now he looks like one of the best young quarterbacks in the NFL. Yeah. I think that even if there's some projection involved with the evaluation of a guy like Penny Sewell, when you can have someone who is that easy and fluid of a mover at 330 pounds yep. and who's 20 years old. Yep. And plays I'm going to take that. I'm going to figure it out later. Yes. And it's a tone setter. So now every piece you add on the offense, and then also, like you said, they're going to move people people around. Sewell plays with angry. So, yes. all, of a sudden, so yes. all of a sudden, the rest of the team, everyone they add from now on, hey, he's setting the tone for the rest of the offense. And that matters when you're building a team, just getting That's a guy like that. Michael Brockers. Exactly. That's the defensive version of that. So it's like, exactly. You get those tone setters because now you got, okay, that's our... Is it can maybe it's not the best player that you get, but it's like, hey, at least now everyone we get, it's just gonna be an echo of what that guy is. And it, it, it really matters having guys if your quarterback's not gonna be that because Jared Goff is kind of an easygoing guy, he's competitive, but he's easygoing. If you have that, now you get offensive linemen that are gonna be that rah rah, not rah rah, but really rah, bring that that grit to an offense. That really does matter, especially if you're starting from scratch, like they are. 31st pick, or excuse me, 30th pick, Buffalo goes with Greg Rousseau from yep. Miami. Here's the difference between the Rave between the Bills and some of these other teams. The Bills were had a running back mock to them in the first round. Yeah. Instead of doing that, they picked a, an edge rusher. Yeah. Because that's what they should be doing in the first Thank round. Thank God. Too. I they were starting to get all the they were you know ETN was getting mocked there and I was like, oh man, I hope not. <laughs> like because it's like uh, hopefully they're not losing sight of what they are. And it's like good. Okay, good. They they know just keep accumulating these types of pieces. Um, you know, Russo got some traits. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's, he's another guy with 34 and almost half inch arms. He got 11 and eighth inch hands. Uh, you know, he's big and long, kind of a weird projection a little bit. You, you kind of have to squint a little bit to see it. You're, it's a little bit of an upside pick that you're hoping to get there. Um, you know, kind of a weird eval a little bit for, I think for a lot of people that had to watch the front seven guys. Um, but you know, Bills are, hey, you're at pick 30. You can do a lot worse than this, especially if you're going for an edge piece because there's not not usually edge guys that are going to be true, true freaks or true top of the class are going to be literally top of the class. And there, is, there are questions about him. Obviously, he didn't play this year. And they, the same sort of questions we've had about a ton of other ton prospects. Of but if you look at this Bills roster, that would be the number one thing I would have added to this yes. group was edge rushing juice. And that's why I was intrigued by the idea of JJ Watt on this team. Mm-hmm. I that that uh, bringing him in and Watt, a guy rushing inside and outside, some of his best reps came inside. inside down, and yep. you you have the length there. It's honestly similar to he's not as powerful as this guy is, but another very very tall Miami pass rusher is Clay Campbell. You can bring him inside a little bit, and this team 
edge rushing depth is as important to this team as any other team yes, because of the play. way they allocate their snaps. Yep. You have guys that are playing 60% of the time. And even if you spent a second round pick on AJ Epinesa last year, Jerry Hughes is my age. I don't know how much longer Jerry Hughes is going to be around, even though he's playing at a reasonably high level. Yeah. Mario Addison is expensive. Yeah. I know he took a pay cut this year after what he signed for last year, but Mario Addison is not a long-term answer. I think Brandon Bean is really good at understanding the timelines and how they're yes. different. He uses free agency to fill needs yep. and they use the draft. To, oh, the need is always going to influence what yes. you're doing in the draft to some degree. But I think a guy like Ed Oliver is another really good example. Yes. That is a upside. We're finding building blocks in the draft. Yep. We're using free agency to plug immediately. A good goals. piece right away. And and also it's you you spoke to just the 60% of the snaps, but also how they play with a lot of off ball linebackers. Yes. So that's yes. where edge guys really are important because the they way, have to do it both. Like Correct. You got, you got a guy with big, big arms He's, keeping people off of your yes, guys on the second he has level. To set the edge, yes. as opposed to your Sam or your outside linebacker doing it for you or you're doing it with movement. They they have a lot of upfield snaps where they have to use their length. So that just makes a lot of sense in that that aspect as well. How long are your arms? Thirty four and a half. Oh, he's. You got him by an eighth of an inch. Then. Yeah. He's 34 and three eighths. I know. I picked the wrong position. So. Dad, but, I know you're watching. So, yeah, one way to go. <laughs> you look at, I mean, the guys that his, his mock draftable comps, Carlos Dunlap is in the top five. Jason Pierre Paul is in the top seven. I mean, it's just like those types of guys. Yeah. You could go up into somebody like that yeah. where the run defense part of it is is important everything else. Yep. That's that's what and, and that's funny like what you're there. saying, Jason Pierre Paul, too, because he was kind of a weird eval, too, because he was a Juco guy and like a one year starter kind yep. of guy at South Florida. Um, actually, we were supposed to be as part of the same recruiting class at UCF, and uh, he was not an academic qualifier, so that's why he went junior college yeah. and ended up at South Florida. But anyways, that with that, James Pierre-Paul, I, I would say, <laughs> a pure better film than this, but that is kind of what you're hoping for, is you're kind of like, is he going to be the 12-sack guy? Probably not, but he's going to be a useful starter, and maybe you do get that pinch of star quality in him. But this was the range and this type yeah. of class. You said a pinch yep. better film. Yeah. Do you love him in the first round compared to some of the other guys? Probably Maybe not. not. He might be a fringe first or second round guy, but you're picking 30th. Yeah. It's a position of need, yep. and there's upside there. Yep. There's right. clear upside there. Correct. I think that this range, the way he fits with all the other pieces they have, I think it makes total sense. Correct. And also, you're not like it's a dearth. This edge class is not great. So probably the second time they pick, you know, probably not. no one's going to be there that they would like at that kind of position. So it, it makes a lot of sense. Kent, do we want to bring in Dane one more time here? So we're at 31, Baltimore picking again. Obviously, this was uh, part of the trade with the Chiefs for Orlando Brown Jr. You and I have not talked about that yet. I don't know if we want to declare a winner and loser there, but what did you make of that deal from both sides? I thought it was a win-win. I yeah. mean, honestly, if I, you know, gunned ahead, uh, but also it's just like, yeah, the Chiefs needed it. Hey, Orlando Brown wanted to play left tackle. I think it was just everybody wanted that trade. At first, I was like, oh, you know, that is kind of a lot, but I was like, what else are they going to get? You know he's going to be a tangible, good starter. And then not only was it like he just played right tackle, and okay, we got to hope that his college film homes up for like he had three hundred plus snaps at left tackle last year, and he held up. And so it's like okay, but the one thing is going to be interesting is going to be such a different scheme um, and what he's asked to do. Like he's not going to run a lot of gap, you know, GT counter that they ran with Lamar Jackson. He's going to have to drop back a lot. Thankfully, it's, it's such a different ask. It is. It is. Night and day. It is. And luckily, you know, Mahomes can make it work where you he can bounce around with guys edging uh, with edge rushers and stuff. So a big body might 
kind of give him more room to operate. So that'll be interesting. But it's having just having your quarterback drop to eleven yards and try to throw the ball forty five yards downfield is much, much different than jump setting guys thirteen times a game. And then and then running GT the next yes, play, then yes. pulling. Yeah. It's much different because now it's gonna be a lot of zone. Yes. Like he's gonna be a zone blocker a lot. And he's gonna have to climb to the second level a whole lot. Yeah, he can move for a big body, but Doing it once or twice is different than doing it 20 times. (laughs) All right. Let's bring Dane back in here because there are some defensive players that are going higher than we thought. And this is exactly his area of expertise, but it is not ours. Dane, Peyton Turner, Eric Stokes coming off the board at 28 and 29. There had been some first-round buzz about Peyton Turner coming into today, but still maybe a surprise to see him go this high to the Saints. Yeah, I think a little bit. Uh, Not only him going this high, but over – Jason Oway over, yeah. uh, you know, Aziz Adjulari, uh, Tryon, some of these other pass rushers, a little surprising to see him go above. Um, but with Peyton Turner, I mean, it's not hard to like his film. He's yeah. he's a high-cut player and that, you know, he's still figuring things out. But in terms of his length, in terms of, uh, you know, the effort is outstanding. And that's, that, that's something that was one of my main takeaways from his film. Uh, the wingspan – and just the way he – I mean, he would make plays 30 yards downfield that he has no business making. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, he has people – he has uh, the violence that you want. He has just kind of the, the foundational traits of, of a good pass rusher. It's just – it might take a little bit of time for him to get there. I like how he, he can string moves together. As he's – it's not just effort. It's not misguided effort. He's always making his way toward the quarterback and trying to string stuff together, which I think is a really good kind of – just fundamental yeah. elements of being a young pass rusher and having room to grow. Yeah. Eric Stokes going 29 to the Packers, Dane. What do you think of Stokes in the fit there and how he fits in just this group of corners and where you expected him to go? Yeah, I mean, this is – I expected uh, one of those Georgia corners to get in there, whether it was going to be Tyson Campbell, Eric Stokes. And uh, so I don't think it's a big surprise here. 6'1", 194 with 4'2 speed. You know, there's only yeah, four humans yeah. <laughs> on this planet that are doing that. So uh, – and, and I think with Stokes, you know, there he has some scheme versatility to him. Um, you know, I think that in terms of his route recognition, uh, uh, some of the transitional stuff, he needs to get better. But, uh, you know, if this is a guy that has not been playing cornerback all that long. He's still learning, still developing – and when you have a guy with those type of raw traits, uh, you know, just like I said, not many humans uh, on this planet able to do that 32 and three quarter inch arms. So there's a lot to like about, you know, what he could be. And I think the fact that he had four interceptions this past year after zero coming in, I, I think he took the necessary steps that told teams that, hey, I'm headed in the right direction. So if yeah. you want to get excited about Devonte Smith. Go watch Devonte Smith's tape this year yeah, against Eric, Eric Stokes, Stokes, who was the 31st overall pick in this year's draft. Yeah, exactly. And also, you know, with Stokes, too, and going to the Packers, it's like, you know, at least have a really good corner to, yeah. to kind of help. He, he doesn't have to be the number one guy right away. Totally. Or they're, they're, it's another opportunity cost kind of thing where it's like, hey, they have a guy that's really a 1A, like true 1A corner. So it's like, OK, he can be the number two guy. Like you say, he's a develop Dane. You say he's a developmental guy, or at least a little bit of that. And they have Kevin King there. They, they also have Kevin King agency, exactly. So if they need to bring him along a little bit slowly, I, I think it you makes can take some load off. One hundred percent. Yep. Dane, what did you make of the Greg Russo evaluation? Obviously, he was one of those guys with not playing this year. There's a wrench thrown into that, but there's clearly traits. There's clearly upside. Where did you come down on him? I, I gave him an early second round grade. Um, you know, I don't think it's a huge reach here. Uh, you know, he's, uh, we talk about the length, 
easy to like. Uh, he has some get off to him. Uh, and, and just that stretched out frame, the way he can, uh, you know, use that to get inside of blockers. Uh, I thought he was at what, what worried me was he was at his best when he reduced inside and it was able to play over the a gap and, you know, use that initial quickness, that length to beat up interior blockers. Uh, normally, when you draft a pass rusher, uh, an edge rusher in the first round, you want him winning on the outside uh, more than on the inside. And so I, I think that there's it's a faith based projection. I think if he hits, if he you know does everything he needs to do, you know he could be a Chandler Jones type of player. That's a big if. He still has a long way until he gets there. Uh, but I can understand why you're banking on just the raw traits that he offers. We we have one year of tape on him. That's it. Yeah. Uh, and this is yeah. a guy that didn't didn't move to the defensive line until his senior year of high school. Missed his first year uh, at Miami because of an injury, and then 2019. He, that's when he really uh, emerged and put himself on the NFL radar. And then of course he opted out this past year. So. It, there is a lot of faith that takes into you know drafting a guy like Gregory Rousseau uh, that early, but you know we've the, the Bills had no problem drafting AJ Epinesa in the second round last year, who was yeah. not an athletic tester, and it's the same thing with Rousseau not not a big athletic tester, more of a straight line type of guy. Uh, but you know I, I I understand why they went pass rusher there, maybe just a little surprised they went Rousseau over Owe and Tryon and some of those other pass rushers available. Owe goes to Baltimore. That you can, I can just see yeah. in my mind because yeah. that is a defense and a scheme where you can just bet on traits. Yep. If he's going to be rushing from a very a lot of alignments, and you're going to be do, standing him up and really just leaning on his physical ability, again, I can just see it. I can just picture him in that Raven scheme name. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. Yeah. I, I, he, like, he does he need work on his counters on. Uh, just the overall rush plan, yeah, of course. But when you watch his film, I mean, he's being disruptive. Yeah. Uh, the zero sacks thing is going to be what is talked about uh, with with, o- with Owe. But uh, he's a guy that you know got to the backfield, and disruption is production. And if you're able to impact what the quarterback is doing, then you're doing your job as a pass rusher. So uh, Owe uh, with the freaky traits, with you know where you expect him to be in in two years, in three years. Uh, yeah, this is just a, a very Baltimore type of pick. I mean, yeah. good good players seem to find Baltimore every year in the first <laughs> every round. Year, right? and it's happened twice it's, this year. Yeah. It's funny because you know, they usually there's they've been so good at drafting developmental pass rushers, yep. and eventually those guys come along slowly and they become really productive players. I mean, it happened with Judon. It happened with Zadarius Smith. It happened with Pernell McPhee a couple years earlier. Yep. They usually go later than the first round. Yes. But they still have shown a real penchant for being able to say, this is our development plan for this guy who maybe isn't going to be able to contribute from day one, but we have an idea of what he can eventually become for this. The proof is there. Well, that's like with Zadarius Smith. He played with Bud Dupree at Kentucky, and he was fine. He was like a, a good, yeah. he actually was a, a good, solid prospect, but he was missing a couple things. He wasn't checking all the boxes. <laughs> he checks all the boxes as far as physically and everything. Yeah. And it's that's what Baltimore does is we all, all of us are talking about right now is they develop these guys. But now they're taking a guy with traits, 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 up, upper, yeah, upper yeah. as opposed to missing traits, like Judon, missing a couple movements, stuff like that. And it's like, OK, they're going to develop in a lot. And what you know what? Again, they have two first round picks. This is a team that can take these risks totally. uh, and not. And the opportunity cost is not as bad as like, hey, they don't have to force this guy and play 60 snaps a game. He can play 30. Dane. Joe Tryon going 32 to Tampa. I thought pass rusher made sense for them 100%. Speaking of percentages, 
Jason Pierre-Paul played one of the highest snap rates in the NFL for edge guys last season. I want to say that Shaq Barrett was up there in the top 10 as well. A rotation at that spot. Easily, you could talk yourself into it. This is a guy with great length and Joe Tryon from Washington. How do you feel like he fits in Tampa Bay with what they have already? Yeah, I think in every mock draft I had uh, a pass rusher going 32, it just kind of changed every time. Uh, yeah. you know, sometimes it's no way, sometimes it's try on. And it just, it, it makes a lot of sense, uh, yeah. especially with Pierre Paul. I think, you know, he's in the final year, final year of his deal. Yep. Uh, you know, he, he might not be back next year. So Tryon's able to be a sub package rusher as a rookie and then you know, take over as a starter. He, he's a guy that, you know, if you're going to draw up a pass rusher, it's kind of what it looks like. You know, there's a lot yeah. of Marcus Davenport to try on, you know, six, Length five, two sixty, 34 inch arms. Yeah. So it yeah, tested really well. Another opt out, uh, but his 2019 stuff, uh, 12 and a half tackles for loss, eight sacks, uh, you know, a, a player who's still uh, another, you know, in, in the development phase, uh, you know, and still learning, but the traits and what he's shown up to this point, it, easy to see why he's a first round pick. He had a couple snaps against Sewell that made me sit up in my chair where yeah. that length really jumps out. He's yes. getting into his chest. And like we're talking about, if you're taking a guy at 32, you have two premium starters at that position. He can come along slowly. You can fold him into what you're doing. He doesn't have to be there for you right now, but yep. at a premium position. Correct. We're setting up succession plans. You get rotations. Yes. Way to kind of, we're talking about staving off defensive regression, adding one more high upside rusher and yep. high upside position is the way you often do that. Dane, Thank you so, so much for humoring us tonight and, <laughs> and playing in our little sandbox here as we were talking about the draft. I sincerely appreciate all of the insight that you provided on our show here over the last month. The work that you do is invaluable. It is indispensable at this time of year. Congratulations on the first round being in the book. I hope you get a little bit of sleep after this weekend is over, buddy. Really, really appreciate all the time. Hey, I, I'm just along for the ride. You guys are doing great. I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and uh, work on my second round mock. So, <laughs> <laughs> of course you are. Yeah. You, oh, so before you go, before you go, I, I lied. Most interesting guys you feel are still on the board. Uh, Koromoa, Notre okay. Dame. Yeah. I know you uh, love him. Are you surprised he fell? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that you know he is not an ideal fit for every defense. We know that he's not a traditional yeah. stack backer. I mean, he, he is. It takes a little bit of creativity. But still, we saw you know Isaiah Simmons go in the top ten last year. Yeah. They're different players, but you would think that uh, a defense would have found a way to use him in the first round. Uh, Barmore, the, the Cardinals had they filled it with another guy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, Christian Barmore. Not really a surprise when you consider some of the makeup issues there. Um, Audulary was flagged for his knee, so yep. not a huge surprise there. Uh, Tevin Jenkins. There was some stuff that came out late that you know were unflattering so I, I don't know that that's a big surprise uh a lot i think elijah moore might, that might be the biggest surprise yeah i, I thought you know especially seeing tony go over him i thought elijah moore a uh, good chance he was going to go in the top 32 and that didn't happen awesome dane thank you very much buddy good luck on the mock good luck survive in the next couple of days we will catch up with you a little bit further down the road my friend all right take care guys thanks dane guys that is all we got wow we did it we did it we did it it is 11.08 Central Time. We still have enough time to just celebrate what yeah. just happened tonight. I still have, <laughs> I still have not been able to ago. fully process that because we've had to lock into all of this other stuff. Such a fun time doing Such this. Time. So Really enjoyed it. Even if the Justin Fields thing hadn't happened, I'd be enjoying it. But guess what? 
It did. It did. <laughs> the Bears picked Justin Fields, and awesome. we had a fantastic first round. Looking at Rashad Bateman going to the Ravens here as Love that it. comes up on the ticker. So many picks that I think we liked, some that were head scratchers, as it will be with every first round. Correct. Sincerely appreciate everybody that came to spend the time to do this with us. We wanted to try something new. We wanted to try something a little bit different. We want to take advantage of being able to be in person. I love doing this with you, buddy. It's so good to sit here with you in the same room, so chat nice. about some football. This was a blast. We will be back later this week with another podcast, wrapping up the entire draft, looking a little bit forward to the rest of the offseason. Until then, though, thank you guys so much for listening to The Athletic Football Show. We'll talk to you later. This was The Athletic Football Show.